Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Sunday, July 9th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. We're following up on a couple of important stories from the last couple of days, actually. One that seemed to really kind of turn a lot of people's stomachs for obvious reasons, but something that nonetheless I find paramount to continue to flesh out. And it's as, as I, I kind of said in a weak moment on one of these recent shows, if you saw <laughs> waded into the third hour, that this is having a real big effect on me. This conversation is very difficult to cover. And, and it's something that is important because as always, I mean, what have we been doing this for? What have we said since the very beginning of all of this, right? The whole point is that we, that I personally, or T-Lab in general, I do this because I, I want to fight for the people that don't have the ability to fight for themselves. I want to give a voice to people that don't have one. And and what more, what better exempt, uh, embodies that than than vulnerable children, especially children that can't even speak for themselves, but vulnerable adolescents, just the same. It's It's such an important conversation because it ties into everything else we're talking about. The generation that's being manipulated more than anything right now is going to end up being in very near future, the ones making decisions for the next steps that are being built right now. And I don't, you don't miss how important that is. But on top of all of that, these are people that are driving policy right now. And I'm talking about the, the propagandists, the social engineers, but also the people that have been completely taken by this as well. The people that are wading into this for very nefarious reasons. And that's both, are the government, media, as well as the predators out there that recognize a vulnerable moment as always and take advantage of it. And for some reason, we're apparently not able to stand back and ask, at the very least, discuss that part of it. I use, I think I even have a part where I'm going to make this analogy in the show, which is probably why it came to my mind. But I make the same analogy during the, the Kavanaugh hearing or many other examples we could make where during that moment, because of politics, this is the only time you see this happen. It got so out irrational that the narrative was that you're just supposed to believe women. Now, people try to look back at it now and say, no, it was just that we were just trying to make a point. No, you were being shouted down for even suggesting that somebody in that position would be lying. That's ridiculous. Now, no one was saying who was being honest and objective that we know that. Before, you know, other than evidence we can get into. But the point is that looking at the whole situation, just, you know, we don't know. That's my opinion. But shouldn't we be allowed to say that that person could be lying? Because that's quite obviously one of the possibilities. Yes. So in this situation, as we go over this today and any, any other conversation herein, if we know that this is possible, which specifically speaking of one topic we're getting into, autogynephilia, in particular, the fetishes within that that apply to the trans movement, which will go into the science around it, the data. It's a very real thing, which means that there is absolutely a part of this where people are using this. And you know what? It doesn't even have to be framed in a nefarious way that these people are just abusing the situation that they think is acceptable. Like if that makes sense to you, like to me, it's totally wrong no matter what. But my point is that it may not even be seen through their eyes as something that's wrong. Then on top of that, you may have people that are fully aware they're abusing the situation to do something they know is wrong. Quite frankly, I don't care about the, the nuance between the conversation. I'm trying to protect the children that are being abused by what this is. And I'm talking about the, 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 whatever proportion this is of this community that's allowing certain things like this to happen. Because as always, my argument has been the same. I have my stated opinions. I've made them clear relentlessly, but every adult has the right to do what they want with their own body. 
That's just the reality of the situation. I mean, I even get into a bit of a sticky conversation with some people that support this platform when I talk about abortion, for example, where I have my very clear opinions. It comes, it's, it comes, comes from a personal opinion, but also from a religious standpoint, as I am a Christian. But yet I will still argue that a woman has a right to do what they want with their own. And that upsets some people because I, that's, a, that's one of those difficult lines we have to draw. And you can stand on whatever side you think is appropriate, but I'll, and I'll respect your ability to make your own choice. The problem is that we get into these politics where, and again, you can stand back and disagree aggressively with me. You can even think that it makes me a bad person. The point is, though, we have to allow people to make their own choices. When it comes to people that aren't able to, like children, a classic conversation that we've always discussed, which, you know, and this it's amazing. It's like the argument of like guns and, and where, you know, criminals versus, you know, the guns don't commit the crime. And yet we still can't seem to, you know, the argument just gets so politicized, right? In this conversation, it's the same idea that it's like, you know, we, we, we can argue that, well, a child can't drive a car or smoke a cigarette. It's the same old argument we've heard a hundred times over. And it's the most valid argument you could possibly imagine. Like those still apply. We, we won't allow them to do this because they don't have the, the mental capacity. And yet same, at the same time, stand back and say, except for these two special conversations, vaccination and, you know, the two most important and concerning, right? That's wrong. That's not about what's right or wrong. It's not about what in the sense of it's about the idea that there's somebody in this conversation who has tried to create a loophole for why this should happen. It doesn't have to be nefarious, but quite frankly, I think that it is. So all that aside, we're going to talk about the autogynophilia aspect to this conversation, why that's important and what this ultimately seems to be hiding. And there's more than one thing we're going to talk about. And I, I, obviously part of it is sexual predators who are finding their way into these positions or just people that think of this as more of an accessory, which is hard to see. This is why it gets really hard to talk about the idea that some kind of some people would decide that a child is more of a sexual accessory than really having a child to care about. See, even bringing that up in this conversation where it is right now is I mean, the, talking about this as objective as possible will still get you labeled as anti-trans, just like. Pointing out that these injections are dangerous will get you called anti-vax, even if it's not the point. But nonetheless, we still have to acknowledge that that is part of this, but that's going to offend people out there. But I've never cared about that. I care about the facts and fighting for what we can prove and for the people that are vulnerable with no voice. But we're also going to start today, and that's, that's pretty much the entire show. We're going to talk about that as well, a few other important parts to keep fleshing this topic out so we have all the information. So we arm ourselves with logic. And not just emotional two-party paradigm manipulation. I'm glad, I, I'm glad I just thought of this because at some point in the show, I was going to make this point. But I'll just say it now, which is that you could argue that what I'm doing here, which if you know me and you know this show and you watch and you have an open mind, you'll see that I'm being objective. I'm not trying to frame the entire trans movement any one way. I'm a transphobic, as I've made argued many times. Uh, and I'm, I'm, many in the audience know this. There are people in this community that are trans, that, that agree that there's something wrong here and may disagree on certain points about the bigger topic, but they're objective enough to be able to be part of this community and continue to watch. But the point is that ultimately somebody out there could take parts of this show and misuse it, right? Couldn't they use this or just take the general headline and say, see, this is all trans are disgusting, pedophile, whatever. You know, that's happening. So does that mean I shouldn't do the show? Well, of course not. Why would I not show the facts and be objective because somebody else is ridiculous? But you see, that's what the corporate media is doing. That's what they're telling trans people. Don't, don't say anything. Don't, don't talk about like what we'll get to the conversation again of the, of the trans whistleblower that we discussed. And she was told by all of her friends, don't say anything. Somebody's going to misuse what you're saying. How do we rationalize that? So don't tell the truth because somebody else might lie about it. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, the government, guys, that's how that works. Of course, somebody might lie about it, but you always tell the truth. You always show what's important because it's important. Just because somebody else might try to use it in a negative way, that's just life. But you see what happens is they use that scare tactic to stop people from telling the truth, and then they continue to lie about it. I think that's so incredibly important, and it's happening right now in front of us in a thousand different ways. But we're going to start today with a quick point about the censorship campaign, the censorship industrial complex, and how you are not going to believe, I had to include this, what the DOJ is quite literally, or people within the argument, but from the DOJ trying to stay the injunction in regard to how they're not supposed to contact social media companies, you know, the censorship complex. You're not going to believe what they argued. And it has to do with the First Amendment. How dare you challenge our First Amendment rights to speak up about what the... I swear to God, your First Amendment rights don't matter. But of course, theirs do. We can't stifle the people in Congress from being able to challenge our First So they have a First Amendment right to stifle your First Amendment right. That's pretty much what it boils down to. Let's jump right into that because I actually can't believe they made this argument. So we'll start today with one point that I thought was interesting. In regard to just a general point about Twitter and so on, I saw this today. This is Libs of TikTok. It says, hi, Elon. There, these are just some of the messages I received in the past week. I've been shadow banned for weeks now. Is there any reason why accounts are still getting throttled like this on Twitter 2.0? I love how they still petition Elon. It's just, you know, my point was if, if you bought into the Elon will save free speech ploy, have the courage, guys. And I, I'm not calling out Libs of TikTok. I'm just saying to anybody, have the courage to admit it is not what you thought. Where are the Fauci files? Are we still pretending that's around the corner? They were advertised. Where's the promised source material that all of the big right pundits were screaming that we were wrong about questioning? Of course, and now we've got another WEF CEO. And you know what I mean when I say another. Yaccarino. It's just, I can't believe that we still pretend like this isn't exactly what we all predicted it would be. Nothing. It is a ploy. Now, yes, the things that came through on the screenshots that were shared, I, I, I still maintain we're actual, that came from real things. There's a, there is a body of work back there. But I still argue that most of it didn't really open the door. Because uh, remember, half the conversation was immediately going fake news because it came from you guys. That's not that doesn't change the fact that it might be true. It's just those people are shutting their mind to it. The people on the one side, the right side, were blindly taking it all at face value without questioning whether it might not be actually true. It just cemented the same position everybody was already in, and most of it we already knew. Now I don't need to go over this conversation again. We've talked about it a lot, but just think about how important it is because Twitter, as well as the rest of it, Rumble, and all the rest of them, are clearly driving us in a very specific direction. Man, I feel it. I, I'm watching it happen. Now, one comment I, I wasn't even going to get into, but somebody commented down here in just in, in infuriating fashion. It doesn't even matter who they are about how like, you know, oh, yeah, because we're going to believe a Fox News something, you know, basically calling me out as if I'm somehow blindly thinking this is real because libs of TikTok said so. I'm, I just don't understand how people can be so played by the two party illusion, especially when they pretend they're existing outside of it. It's infuriating. Because when I, if I say this tweet or this point, are we somehow pretending that I am taking it like because Lib, like they're the ones that proved it? Like, oh, ha ha, now we can prove their censorship on Twitter. That'd be pretty dumb to assume, wouldn't it? That this is the only re the point is we know we can see this. This right here is a relevant statement, whether or not this tweet exists, right? 
Okay, so it's interesting that people will try to make these snippy, chide, snide points about the truth. Why? Well, because Libs is a bad right-wing account. That shows you that whether they see it or not, they're blinded by the two-party paradigm as much as they pretend like they're this hip outside around it where we get to stand in the peripheral and just make fun of everybody. You're bought, you have bought into it, man, and you are lost in it. And I think it's just it amazes me how many people are lost in the two-party illusion. We all need to see that just because, look, Libs of TikTok is clearly a right-leaning account. You could argue that they're completely compromised. I, I, I question all of them, including this person we're talking about. I question it all, which we should, right? But that, that also means you don't ignore it either. You don't just go, oh, Libs, that's a right thing. I'm going to ignore it. That's silly. Even if you know for sure that it's some kind of Fed account or whatever you want to pretend, shouldn't you still consider what they're saying to consider? Yes. I just don't understand the kind of way this is playing. I do, in fact, I do. It's about keeping people mired in the two-party paradigm, whether they realize that's what they're doing or not. It's everywhere. So just don't miss the fact that this is actually what I I should have kept this over here, to be honest, since we're going to get into the censorship organization from my side. But I wanted to start with that in general. But I also want a couple of side points I want to throw out before we get back into that. Corporate America pointed something important out. We just talked about this. You might have seen the article. Maybe you missed my last show. Half the nation's tap water is contaminated with PFAS, forever chemicals. That's RFK pointing it out, which I'm glad he did because he has a lot of reaction. People are seeing it. But the point, what's interesting to me, you guys know this, and it's not whether, let's just take the, just from our work. Corporate America has written about this. He put in his own article for T-Lab. He wrote about this. I've been covering this, as you know, for a long time. Well, well before East Palestine, but the very least since February, right? screaming about PFAS. Are they testing for PFAS? It's, it's, it's in the, the, the dirt they're sending around. Nobody cares. Sad how that falls on deaf ears, at least with this kind of momentum, right? Think about the lives or people's health that might have been benefited if just, you know, any, it just any outlet, no matter who it is, puts out something that's worthy, it makes the way around. Whether it's T-Lab or anybody else, the smallest account on the platform, if they do something worthy, why wouldn't it spread to the top of industry? Of course, because there's a controlled flow of information. You don't get to be that person unless you're on the inside circles. The point is that a lot of us, a lot of us, the independent media has been screaming about this. And as corporate America says, don't forget, T-Lab and he has been, and, and corporate America himself have been covering this topic for months. And the story is nothing new. In fact, he makes an excellent point that we've referenced before. And he references in that article, according to the EPA's own research from 2016, PFAS was actually detected in the blood serum of up to 99% of the U.S. general population. But today, it's breaking news. <laughs> like, how is that even possible? How, why, we have the attention span of a housefly in this country. We can't stand back and go, oh, yeah. Now, and, and that's not an insult on Americans. That's just we have been engineered in this way. But here is the post directly from EPA's own website from 2016. And PFOS is just, a, it's another, there's different versions, but it's all, that's under the category of PFAS. And it says, They were detected in the blood serum of up to 99% of U.S. general population up until 2012. Now, they go on to say that it begins to decrease, but, of course, this drifts into the background, and I can clearly prove that the contamination of PFAS has only gotten worse. So I don't know how they play that game. The point is that in 2016, we can know that this is in – it's just like glyphosate. How many times have you heard me say this? It's in the the clothes you're wearing. It's on your skin right now, guys. It is literally everywhere. It's in your urine. It is in everything. Why? Because they have done this to us. They have literally drenched the planet in one of the, some of these endocrine disrupting chemicals. That's one of what that's one name you could call that. 
including all the stuff we're talking about, PFAS, dioxins, these are endocrine-disrupting chemicals. They have a direct effect on your hormones. What do you think that's doing? Well, you know, in one, in, there's one thing we can prove in some cases. It absolutely, without question, according to peer-reviewed science, is causing gender dysphoria. Does that mean that's all of it? I don't know, but definitely something we should consider. Trust the science, right? The bottom line, though, is that we just have to pretend like breaking story. Now we care, and that's what concerns me the most, is that I wonder why. And, and is it only just a release valve? Does it get us to look in a different direction? Now we're going to use our own problem that we've ignored for 40 years so we can drive you in the direction of the Great Reset. I don't know, but it just blows me away. Now, I wanted to point out that Derek has been covering this forever. Derek, called, he's been calling this out, the verifiable water contamination issue in the U.S. for years. And yet suddenly the mainstream media has broken the story. Now, this is all the way from 2017. Why is the media ignoring America's drinking water crisis? Now, I actually thought about this. It even makes sense to me that the entire Flint, Michigan conversation might have been made to, made into a story that nothing. I mean, think about this. Flint, Michigan, right, doesn't still doesn't have. I mean, I don't know why that's not the biggest thing in the world. They don't have the clean drinking water right now. You can make such a gigantic story about Flint, Michigan, and pretend like we're not supposed to talk about it, and then literally never even give them what they don't have the water they need. But no, neither does the rest of this country for the most part. So ask yourself whether Flint was a way to convince all of us that it was only happening over there. It's only over there in that one town in Michigan. That's it. Where the rest of us know you're wrong. It's everywhere. And if you read this article, he breaks this down pretty clearly, but it's not new. Half of this country is suffering from massive water problems, and that's what they—that's what this article was about. The uh, the one the one oh here right here. Well, this is the study, in fact, but the article was framed around this, and this was that most I think it's like forty nine percent of this country in this article at the very least is contaminated with PFAS. That's a big deal. But guess what? <laughs> I'm willing to bet you nothing happens. Bad stuff, and then up oh, look over there, war stuff. They just everybody just drifts into the background. It's all about kind of soft revealing. Right. So we act like we were told. It's crazy, guys. It's crazy. This is a big deal. Now, we'll circle back to this East Palestine, the coverage. But I just want us to realize this is nothing new. Same kind of point here. Green Lives Matter points out Tucker Carlson says, you know, breaking news that the chief of the Capitol Police told him that the crowd on January 6th was filled with federal agents. He planned on airing that interview, but he was canceled before he could do so. Now we know why he was canceled and fired. Well, that's Green Lives Matter's argument. Well, okay, well, that doesn't really make sense to me. Is that why he was fired? But he's still under contract with Fox right now? I, I just don't understand. Like, I'll, I'll just read what I said. We already knew this, guys. Right away, in fact. I, do you remember what we were saying? We could prove that there was FBI agents in the militias, in two of them, right? I mean, this was like weeks afterward, as well as the, uh, the, the psychological operations officer that was involved with one of them as well. This was on the record. Yes, it got fleshed out. We found out more that, we're, oh, there's more agents and more. But this wasn't new information. So why would he be forced out for pointing out something we were all talking about? I said, I find it strange that many right now are ignoring the fact that, if you don't know this, that he is currently under contract with Fox right now. Now, yeah, there's a story around it. Well, there was a, a you know, a, a, what was it? Um, uh, a, a cease and desist order that was applied, which I, I haven't seen that. I've heard all this stuff. The facts are, he is under contract with Fox right now. Now, hear me on this, guys. I hope I'm wrong about him, just like I am with Trump. I want him to be the guy that people believe him to be. Why wouldn't we? 
I, I hope that this person sweeps in and saves the day and proves everyone. I hope that. I just really want people to be skeptical. That's all. We've been fooled so many times. Just be skeptical about everybody, even the people you would absolutely bet your life are on your side. Why wouldn't we be? So very important. Now, two other important things that I'll then we'll jump into the main point of today. <clears throat> probably going to be a shorter show than usual. I shouldn't even say that because then it'll probably end up being long. <clears throat> Going Underground points out that Russia has confirmed that the BRICS organization or the you know uh, association will introduce a new gold-backed currency. This is actually a really big deal. People have been talking about this for so long. It has been inching away from the gold-backed dollar for long, or excuse me, the the you know fiat dollar for a long time. Discussions about the you know shifting away from the dollar reserve and all this different stuff. It's been for me 10, 15, 20 years. It's been a long time. People keep going. Oh, it's about to happen. Russia said this. China said that. But here we're beginning to see it actually happen. They've at least they've confirmed that they're just about to introduce a gold-backed currency, which will challenge the dollar's dominance. According to recent reports, as many as forty-one countries are open to using the BRICS currency, which would mean a serious challenge to Washington's domination over the world currency or economy, which would destroy their ability to economically sanction people, which, by the way, they shouldn't have that unilateral power anyway. But that's a big deal, which I can promise you there's going to be military action because of. Now, let's not forget France and Macron specifically making agreements with China and BRICS and leaning towards them in general, which I still maintain had a huge effect on why we saw the last two times France saw unrest. But we'll keep an eye on this. I think it's really a, it's a huge deal depending on how this goes forward. I mean, you can just look at the, the groups involved. It's very interesting, right? I mean, how is this going to play out when you've got a lot of U.S. allies involved here? Turkey is a NATO ally. I, we'll have to see. It's very interesting. Now, on the censorship part of this, this is, you know, hilarious in a very alarming way. So first of all, you saw this already. July 4th, the judge blocks U.S. officials from tech contact contacts in First Amendment case. Now, I wanted to just quickly rehash this so you guys can see. A federal judge on Tuesday blocked key Biden administration agencies and officials from meeting and communicating with social media companies. This was an injunction. It was temporary. So this was on the 4th. The injunction alleges that the government officials went too far in their efforts to encourage social media companies to address posts that they worried could contribute to vaccine hesitancy during the pandemic. Okay, so there's no question this is unconstitutional. I, there is literally no argument you could make because at the core of what they're saying, they're just simply going, we don't like what you're saying. It doesn't matter how far you go to abstractly or, or it directly argue that you're causing some kind of whatever. It doesn't, it really doesn't matter. You are, you're speaking and then they're pointing at stuff that's happening. You could argue that it's because of what you said, but there, it, there is no limitations. You have a right to say these things. The point is they just created this narrative that what you're doing leads to vaccine hesitancy. It leads to election interference. It leads to, well, so what? Like, really think about it for a second. Like, first of all, how can you even prove that by me posting what I think about the vaccine is somehow like it's just crazy. Like, I have a right to express my opinion because what it really comes down to is they make this fuzzy argument right there where they go, but it's actually being influenced by foreign countries. Well, you can't prove any of that. The idea that because I say something that you argue is a Russian talking point, fair at the very least, you should have to prove if you're going to censor an American based on the abstract idea. But even then, that violates your free speech, even if it was based on another government's opinion. It comes down to a very core understanding of what the first of your free speech means. 
So with that being stated, just understand that, that they're forcefully pushing back about being able to dictate what you can say. That it's never been this insultingly clear that they just don't care about the Constitution. So it says the Trump-appointed judge, which is how they're really trying to force this in. It's all because Trump, well, isn't that, I mean, really, if you think about it, that's like a compliment to Trump. A guy who actually upholds the Constitution, but they want you to think of it as a, like, I don't even know, what, a a racist thing or somehow a a Republican equals bad, so therefore this is bad. It's just, it's childish. The Trump-appointed judge's move could upend years of efforts, yeah, exactly, to enhance coordination between government and social media companies. Right. That At the core is the effort to stop you from expressing your free speech. Good. Upend years. So what they're admitting to is years of coordinated efforts to make sure you can be censored. Remember when that was fake news like 30 seconds ago? Now they're fighting to maintain that. I just find this sort of hilarious, but it's very serious. Accused the Biden administration of enabling a sprawling federal censorship enterprise. What's funny is they're going, yeah, but we want what's important to encourage tech giants to remove politically unfavorable. This is a quote from the judge politically unfavorable viewpoints and speakers, which is exactly what they're doing. They just argue that those viewpoints are deadly, which frankly doesn't matter when the context of free speech, you can say what you want. Like this is interesting because there are people that are dying on this hill right now to argue that, well, that's just the problem. They don't want to really say, so we the constitution is wrong, but some of them do. But at the end of the day, that's, it's, it's insulting because at the same time, they would argue the Constitution when it suits their interests, just like we see the government do on the world stage. Ignoring the UN, ignoring everything else until they want, oh, you're violating that pact, that agreement, or the UN resolution. Well, then you don't care about it. Why should they? You know, it, it's the same game that gets played by dishonest people. It says the viewpoints and speakers and for conservatives who have accused the government of suppressing their speech, which is interesting. It's not just conservative. So it's this game they play, even from this argument, this idea that it's only right and left. There are all kinds of left and middle people that were censored in all of this because it wasn't just right wing people that pointed out these problems. There was a lot of left wing people and people that saw the two party illusion that were saying these things were hurting people and they still got censored. And then, of course, then got called a right wing conspiracy theorist because they said one thing. In their filings, the attorney general alleged the actions amount to the most egregious violations of First Amendment in the history of the United States. That's just the hugest thing to say as a judge. But of course, because it's a Trump-appointed judge, he's ridiculous and we don't care. You see how, 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 how bad we are, or how bad of a way we're in right now? They, 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 this is the executive branch right now that's basically acting like this judge or all of the corporate media outside of Fox News, just acting like this. It's just, oh, it's because he's a Trump-appointed judge. So it's meaningless or it's stupid or it's bad or it's incorrect. But at the core of this conversation, you can utterly prove that this is a violation. They just have a reasoning of why it doesn't matter. That's how embarrassing all of this is. The judge, Terry A. Dowdy, uh, has yet to make a final ruling in the case, but, the, but in the injunction, he wrote that the Republican attorneys general have produced evidence of a massive effort by the defendants from the White House to federal agencies to suppress speech based on content. Nobody's even disputing that. They are literally saying, yep, if, it's, actually, if, if it challenges what we've established, no matter how many times it's been proven to be false, then we'll censor it, or we want to. So let's go to the next one. This one is from two days later, the 6th. The U.S. Justice Department on Thursday asked a federal judge to stay his sweeping injunction. 
So they they've just coming out and we don't just it's they're not even really debating what he's saying. They're just saying, well, we need it because national security. Big surprise. Because this is they're failing in all regards to maintain their narrative. So the, the veil's been pulled here. They're just simply pl- pl- pulling out their last argument, I would say, which is just national security. Because people might be hurt, even though you can't really even ar- prove that. And this is where it gets into the election overlap, which is what they're desperately pushing at the last. That, that's what it's, I'll get into the last part. That's what they're using now. But Russia might try to affect the election. You're screwing up our plans, even though they're only really pointing at us. Now, they're arguing that the whole thing was confusing and likely to be overturned and appeal. Let me show you why they pretend it's confusing. It's not confusing. It's cut and dry, and it's very clear. But this is where you're going to laugh. And this one and the next one. The court's July 4th preliminary injunction is both sweeping in scope and vague in terms. It's not. That's just a, a lawyer's ploy to try to make this sound like it's wrong. Citing rules that require, please, please read the whole thing. Citing rules that require the document to make clear exactly what conduct is proscribed. I mean, you'd read it, you would laugh about this. It's very clear. Accused multiple federal agencies of violating the First Amendment right to free speech by pushing Facebook, Twitter, and other companies to delete or limit the spread of posts that questioned coronavirus vaccines or made claims about voting fraud. Right. By the way, many of which we now know for sure are actually correct. So that, first of all, we know they deleted a lot that was true. So that's one thing. They don't, who cares about that, they would say. Secondarily, though, they're again admitting they're deleting based on content. Right. They're, they, so he, this is the judge again accusing them of violating our rights in order to delete what they argue is incorrect information, despite your free speech protecting being wrong and lying. Dowdy rules that the states would probably succeed at trial and directed federal officials to stop notifying the companies and outside researchers of problematic content. That's another part. The whole research, the like the Mariana Spring or rather that's the media side. But, you know, these di- disinformation researchers, it's such a scam. It's such a racket. He also made numerous exceptions, including for alerting the companies to crime, national security threats, and attempts at voter suppression. So remember that. He's already made an exception for the idea that they can argue there's some sort of voter election overlap. But you see, they're still arguing that what's happening is stopping that. It's not really, you see. They're trying to stop us from being able to post and say what we want. And so they're using the election side, even though he already left open that door to try to argue that they need this to be stopped because of that same reason. Like, this, it's just so simple, man. I mean, you really care to look at most of this stuff. It's, be, it's become very transparent today. But I also said this when it first came out. National security threats. I mean, I mean, guys, that means anything. It means literally anything they want to make it into. So the door's already open. So this may be more of a show than we realize. But either way. Oh, there's one point I was going to make. I forgot. Anyway, going forward, the government team asked for a stay to be granted. By July 10th, so up, I guess until we'll find out either today or tomorrow, until the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit rules on the Justice Department's planned appeal of the injunction. You got to love that. So allow us to keep censoring until the judge rules on our appeal to the injunction, which we'll, we want to win. So the argument, let us continue to censor and violate First Amendment rights until we figure this out. Or else the judge stay in the order for a week to allow time for a faster emergency appeal. Why would he choose? So the judge rules you're violating the Constitution. They're like, please give us more time to keep doing that so we can appeal it and keep doing it anyway. <laughs> I just I, I don't think these people even realize how crazy they, 
they, I, this is where I argue a lot of these people are buying their own BS and believe they're doing something noble here. <clears throat> the six-page motion argues that parts of the order, this is where it gets really interesting, contradict each other, such as a prohibition on some officials speaking publicly about false social media posts. So the point is these guys are coming out and calling you a conspiracy theorist for saying the injection's hurting somebody or that the election was manipulated, right? Which most of these you can prove. So they're in the ruling. He basically said, you guys have to pause on calling all this stuff out because that's kind of overlap with the same thing. They freak out. Why? That violates their First Amendment right. I'm not making this up. The six-page motion argues that part of the order contradicts each other because such a prohibition on these officials speaking publicly about your fake news, even though it's not, and the post conflicting with a provision that nothing should stop officials from exercising their own right to free speech. Great. So they care so they care to point out that you can't violate, you can't stop those uh, uh, us from being able to say what we want. That would be a violation of the First Amendment. But we're fighting to be able to do that to you. So we need our First Amendment rights to be able to stop your First Amendment rights. How dare you? I mean, do these people realize how ridiculous they are or they just don't care? It also said that the government would suffer irreparable harm while the injunction remained in effect, while the plaintiffs were cutting, citing old conduct and would not. So the government's just saying, well, why, while we can't censor everybody, everything's going to fall apart. Well, that might not be that too far from the truth. Their agenda might fall apart. But explain for me at what point your free speech was ever a problem until they started being exposed for their lies. Quote, the potential breadth of the entities and employees covered by the injunction combined with the injunction's sweeping substantive scope will chill a wide range of lawful government conduct related to defendants' law enforcement responsibilities, obligations to protect the national security, and prerogative to speak on matters of public concern. Yeah, how dare you stifle our ability to speak? Yeah, sound familiar? Like, think of the absurdity of standing there acting like you're outraged that they're trying to stifle your free speech while the entire premise is about the judge protecting our free speech and their ability to stifle it like this is like a sitcom i can't I, I, it's just it's it's comical in its own right but of course they're saying well national security our free speech and a wide range of lawful things that we already do they're just that this is what's insulting is the judge is going, you broke the law, you broke, you're violating the constitution. It's very clear. And they go, but our lawful actions that we're doing. So the point is they don't, this is not going to stop. They're not going to stop. Even with this injunction, I argue that's probably very clear right now on Wednesday, the Washington post reported that the state department had canceled a regular meeting with Facebook parent meta to discuss foreign influence campaigns that both sides track. Good. The State Department confirmed the cancellation. They want this to sound like, oh, no, we can't. So they want this to feel like this is somehow hurting the American effort to protect our elections. The only thing this is stopping is posts on social media. The argument that somehow, like, let's just pretend like, like, I guarantee foreign governments are actively trying to manipulate things. I guarantee it. But the argument somehow that you're going to, like, Russia post something on Facebook through some account and we're supposed to pretend like it's just... It's really stupid. And you know who does that right now? Your government. Every single candidate everywhere lying with their videos and their posts and their manipulation. See, they want to be the only ones that lie to you. That's the real point. So, good. 
The fact that they're not meeting and colluding behind the scenes to regulate your speech and stop you from being able to say what they, or the argument being that they want to stop foreign governments from being able to post, it's all an illusion. Here, social media injunction unravels plans to protect the elections. This is their last-ditch effort, I would argue. The injunction on July 4th that places extraordinary limits on the government's communications. No, it just upholds the Constitution. You complete propagandist Washington Post. With tech companies, undermines initiatives to harden social media companies against election interference. Civil rights groups, academics, and tech industries say, or a lot of them say the opposite, but you don't like to cite them. The point is that they're simply going, election interference, foreign Russia, bad guys. So we have to keep censoring your ability to point out the injection hurts people, right? After companies in the federal government spent years expanding efforts to combat online falsehoods. So again, they're letting it out of the bag. They have been spending years building a way to stop you from being able to express your First Amendment right. They know this. I mean, right there should be enough to put somebody in jail. In the wake of Russian interference. Oh, you mean the thing that we can prove was a complete fabricated lie? On the platform during the 2016 election. Right. So what, like what, tens of thousands of Facebook ads? Oh, no. The ruling is just the latest sign of the pendulum swinging in the other direction. Tech companies are gutting their content moderation staffs. Good. Researchers are pulling back from studying disinformation. Thank God. And key government communications with Silicon Valley are on pause. It's like we should be cheering right now amid unprecedented political scrutiny. (laughs) It's like they're trying to paint this as like a burning down house. and We should be dancing about this right now. With voting in the 2024 primaries just months away, tech companies also are facing new election threats. As leaps in artificial intelligence give bad actors new tools to create... How, how much I've been telling you this, this is coming. I feel like this is seeding a narrative to a, like it might be, like I said, this might be just a, a, a theater being put on for us. So, so we can pretend that there's back. We're going to see the deep fakes coming. I predicted this is the year I feel it coming. There's going to be Matt, just like they're telling you. Oh no, without this, we're not going to be able to stop deep fakes and the rest of the thing. That's what you mean. Like that's already happening. You don't seem to be stopping them now. This is going to play a factor. I'm telling you. That's why they cited it right there. Amid that rapidly changing social media landscape, civil rights groups say that the order will suit will be a boon for election lies. Okay, so again, what are they telling you? Well, you're we don't like that you you can't say what you think. That's what they're telling you right there. Well, without this, the pe- people are going to be able to express their opinions. Do you realize that people have a right to be wrong? Somebody's got to be wrong, right? Are, are you really pretending that the only thing people are allowed to say is one concept? How is that even possible? They're openly telling you that you're not allowed to say these things. Even though we keep proving that a lot of the things that weren't supposed to say were right. I mean, I mean, think about this, guys. If you go back and look at the stuff we were talking about at the beginning of COVID-19, the illusion, do you realize that literally everything, I was just looking, everything that we told you, not the things we were discussing about maybe this, maybe that, you know, maybe graphing up the things that we proved, things that we went over, the arguments that we stood by. Every single one of them turned out to be true. Every single one of them. The danger, myocarditis. I mean, I could go on forever. Things that we were blatantly censored for are absolutely true. Think about that in this context. And if this was still, they would not allow you to say the things that we know are true. Quote, as the U.S. as U.S. gears up for the biggest election year, the Internet age has seen. <laughs> I just I had to laugh at that. You know what that, that also means? It's the biggest election of your lifetime. You mean just like the last one, the prime or you mean the two years ago and two years before that? And two, yeah, they don't just say it during the, the primary or the, the presidential election. They say it every two years. 
I know we say this every time, but this is the most important election of your lifetime. You'd think they would even at least come up with a different way to say that. Or maybe this is it. Gearing up for the biggest election year the Internet's ever seen. (laughs) Make sure you get out and vote harder this time. We should be finding methods to better coordinate between governments and social media companies to increase the integrity of election news. You know what that means? Increase censorship. Increase our censorship of your statements. That's what they say. The, the judge orders marks on watershed development in a marks a watershed development in the years long partisan battle over the rules for what people can say on social media. What are we talking about? See, this is where it becomes very clear we're in two party illusion. As Democrats warn tech companies aren't doing enough to check the proliferation of falsehoods in their platforms, Republicans continue to say the companies unfairly pick on them because of their political views, criticizing the companies for developing misinformation policies and deploying fact checkers and contra- contractors to enforce them. Oh, I see. So you're not upset about censorship. You're upset that they're not censoring the other side, too, or only them. Now, yes, there's plenty of Republicans that are pointing out, but the bottom line, when you really cut to the quick of it all, both sides are censoring, guys. And that's always, and really, not both sides, the government is censoring you, independent of your political side. And that's the truth of it all. And if you really stand back, you can see that. So the Republicans just want them to be censored too, which, by the way, we've seen. When it happens, they cheer. A lot of the high-level pundits that are really all about the party, about nothing above everything else. So that's the point. We should be the point is when they're very clearly telling you that when they're trying to do is stop what you say on social media, (laughs) not even mincing words anymore, guys, they're straight up going. You're not allowed to free speech at all. Just department has sought a stay on the injunction because of the risks, right? The risks of what you can say. What are those exactly? Right. The only way you can argue risks if back to the same old thing we told you was building this whole time. The words are violence agenda. To build an idea that is that your words are dangerous. You know, despite the fact that your words are enshrined in the Constitution or ability to express them. So these people are unconstitutional. The judges that might allow this are unconstitutional, which is ridiculous because that's their only job. I'll hold the Constitution. In an appeal filed Thursday night, the DOJ lawyers warned that the judge's order could prevent the government from working with social media companies on initiatives to prevent grave harm to the American people and our democratic processes. Right, the illusion of that, right? Think about what that means. And what, what exactly is it that they might do? What's happening right now that wasn't happening before? I mean, it, it's just an illusion, guys. People are child, they're like, it's like, the people that buy this are scared kind of children that just think that, oh my God, if we don't let them do what they want, that we're all going to die because of whatever new thing we're supposed to be afraid of today. Already, there are signs of how the judge's order and other conservative moves are chilling efforts to combat election interference. And that's really what it's all about right now. They're going to argue. I mean, we know that no matter what happens, probably both sides are going to argue some kind of cheating. That's just how this goes, because that's where we are today. You don't need evidence in the corporate media discussion ever again, it seems, to make an argument. Because we know what Putin thinks, don't we? Don't we just know based on our politics? No, that's called assumption. That's called ridiculous. Dowdy included some expectations that appeared to acknowledge exceptions, excuse me, it appeared to acknowledge the restrictions that government's communications with a tech company could exacerbate national security threats. His injunction permits communications between the government and the companies to discuss illegal voter suppression or foreign interference. Okay, so what are they talking about? So if it already allows that, why are they screaming that they need that to be able to do what he already still allows? That's pretty stupid, isn't it? But it's, all, but it's not always immediately clear if disinformation on a site is originating from a foreign actor. 
ah, I see. So you're just hamstringing their efforts, even though you already allowed it. No, it's just they're just trying to find a way to make it seem like what they're doing will stop them. The judge made it clear. National security, elections, you're good. They're going, but but without the full picture, we're not really sure about. It's insulting to your intelligence, and it could result in the government being extra cautious and only sharing threats with the tech industry when they're positive they originate from people abroad. Oh, no. You mean they have to be sure before they start censoring? Gee, what a terrible thing. I can't even believe that's that is quite literally what they wrote. Well, without the bigger picture, we might have to censor only the people that are doing something wrong. (laughs) Oh, no. Well, it's quite clear what's going on here. And you can read the entire injunction stay order if you'd like. The point is, guys, they're still doing it anyway. And I think that's abundantly clear. Now, one discussion where this becomes important right now for the point we're getting into today is the rest of the show. The idea that we are everybody's being censored around this topic right now. I mean, outside of Twitter, it seems. But I, I feel that. I mean, well, I take that back. There's been a lot of people being censored on Twitter around this very topic. This, I think, is an important topic that is not getting enough attention because of how problematic it is. But I argue, like always, we're not afraid to step in and talk about the most contentious topics. And as this kind of dips away, people will start to. I'm willing to bet you, just like with the rest of the conversations, you're going to get some of these bigger ones that right when it becomes just acceptable enough, right? When it's not dangerous anymore, right? When it, when it, when it can look like you're braving the problem, but we've already been here for six months pushing through and standing on that work and pushing forward. And then, then that's how this tends to work. But you know what? We've become okay with that because it's about the truth and informing people and keeping you safe. That's all we really care about. Zach Elliott put out something important. This is what kind of caught my attention to revisit this again. He put out, and this is the study that we already showed you. From a peer-reviewed paper on male lactation, talking about how we need to rethink how this actually works. Right? So making this point very clear. And the point was, I I did tell you we were going to come back and revisit this study in particular. 2021. The point is that they need to revisit or reestablish what it really means to effectively breastfeed. Now, why would that be? Does that put the child at the forefront of the point? Or does it put the need of these people to affirm their own identity above the safety of the child? It's the latter. And I've already shown you this. We've already gone over this extensively. I'm actually going to include just a tag to all the recent shows we've done, which are a few. A lot of them, I think, are important. From the last one we discussed in regard to the chest feeding conversation, we went over the, the recent shooter from Philadelphia that does appear to be a trans shooter, as far as I can tell. The whistleblower, which we'll point out again, but go through these. There's a lot of important information. Now, let's start with this study itself. This really is kind of hard to wrap my mind around. 2021, by the way, I was actually kind of shocked. I'm not going to get into it today, but to go back and find, there's articles from 2016 talking about trans, a a man breastfeeding. It's just weird how it just catches attention at certain times, right? But this was a study that was, there's two studies, and I'll, I'll reference them in a second, but this one just primarily we go over today that they're pointing at as a community to say, see, this is okay. Now, one thing I keep saying, as I said before, you will not find any conversation about the safety of the milk and whether or not it's nutritious. Now, in this article, they do point out the translation 
which I argue is larger than they're saying it is based on the FDA's own statements, but I'll let you decide for yourself. They do point out that the Don, the Don, uh, it's Don Peridone does actually translate in the breast milk, which is hilarious to me in a sc- scary way because they're arguing right now online. It's fake news, even though the study they're pointing at actually says within it that it does happen. But that alone is not the conversation of whether or not it's even safe. The real conversation would be whether or not all of this combined is actually safe in a long-term study, which, by the way, those don't exist. And it says it right in this study. So first thing you should ask yourself is why this is being allowed to happen when they don't even know whether it's safe, which comes into that bigger conversation we just had about the thermarosol and back, you know, 20 years or however long ago when they were talking about the fact that this is in the injections and it's safe and effective. And they go, but how do you know? The studies say we don't know. Well, we don't know, but it's safe and effective, though. What do you mean it's safe and effective? You just said we don't know if that's safe, but yep, it's safe and effective, just like they're saying today. So we don't know whether pregnant people are safe. Well, take it, though, because it's safe and effective. We live in this completely warped time where that's really happening, that they're just lying to you, and it's always been there. Now, I'm not saying that means everything everywhere, but we can prove today that these things are hurting people. We can prove that we are allowing this to happen, both in regard to puberty blockers, hormone treatments, this, this atrocity we're going to get into today. They don't have any long-term studies. So why are, why are we allowing it if we don't know if it's safe? Like, how does it even make sense? Don't have ivermectin because there's no studies, but go ahead and alter your entire body or let a child drink some re- weird discharge from your body that we don't know whether it's safe, and we know that it's immediately dangerous. So we know that there are immediate risks, but we don't have the long-term studies on top of that. And yet we'll allow it. How does that make sense? Here's what it says. Breastfeeding is known to provide several benefits for both infants and their mothers. Health-related benefits include, but aren't limited to, the protection against acute and chronic illness for both the infant and the mother, the development of the emotional bond, and, and the economic benefits. Right. Basically, none of which apply to a man altering his body with chemicals to produce some kind of a discharge or having a, a, a surgery to produce that. The point is, the uh, most of this is, um, is an innate connection. Like, you can read articles about, let's say, a, you know, a wet nurse kind of concept, right? That does, that, that bodies can react in a way that creates these things. But you, in, even in that concept, you, you do not get most, li- most typically, and you can read the science about this, the bond or the, or the, nutritional over like the point is as we just talked about that the mother specifically in the first so many days has you know it's called the colostrum which is full of it it almost looks yellow it's full of fats and all sorts of important vitamins and all sorts of stuff right and then right after that the mom's body actually changes and the milk changes and it becomes based on what the mom and the baby through that connection senses is necessary antibodies that are needed or whatever else based on what's needed that is not there because that connection, that bond doesn't exist here. It just doesn't. It's fa- you could read the science as well as just using some common sense. So that's stated as if that applies to just anybody anywhere producing something from their nipple. That's just ridiculously not true. And the science backs that up. Just so that's clear. Even this article makes that clear. It says research surrounding lactation, induction, and breastfeeding in transgender people is limited. That's a really kind way of saying it doesn't exist. There is, as far as I can tell, two examples of these kind of very short-term studies. There is literally nothing long-term, zero. The use of language surrounding fertility and breastfeeding remains basically hetero, like, what's the word, the heterogendered? Well, yeah, because men aren't capable of this. 
in the, in the sense of what we're talking about. So it says meaning that people who breastfeed are assumed to be straight and identified as women. Well, I don't know why you would assume they're a straight. That seems like a ridiculous thing to say, only it leans into what you like a, a lesbian woman can breastfeed, right? This minimizes the experiences of people outside of society's binary classification of gender. The use of misgendering language has a negative impact on mental health, self-esteem, and social... What does any of this have to do with breastfeeding and the safety of the baby? Right? Because what you're going to see as we get towards the end, this isn't about the baby at all. Other than some kind... Even the argument of what it makes and the amount literally argues that it was about affirming the, the, the person at the expense of the safety of the baby. And the point I keep making, by the way, if it's this easy, like the idea that by giving somebody the wrong name is somehow some like men, like they're borderline suicide, you dare not misgender them. It really does speak to a, a, you know, walking a knife's edge kind of mental state. I just think that's interesting. People, you know, that's more of a, a side point, but I just think it's interesting that this is this weird, sensitive thing that you misgender somebody and it's like this weird, crying, week long sadness video. It just doesn't, it seems a little bit unstable. Which, by the way, again, I, we just went over this that the one of the large statistics in this community is that they're a large percentage of them are on all sorts of different psycho medical uh, medications and treatments and so on, which makes a lot of sense. It says she had been started on progesterone to assist with breast development. Her medications included uh, sprinolactone, 100 milligrams twice daily. And look, you could just go through this and see we're going to go into a specific overlap with three of these different drugs. But just think of how many are in her body. Pantoprazole, 40 milligrams a day. Excuse me. Progesterone, 100 milligrams a day. Estrus, 5 milligrams a day. An initial hormone panel showed a serum total testosterone level of uh, less than 0.5 liters or whatever that amount would be. You could just see that there's a lot of these different chemicals, and I'll get into what these are in a, in a second. Estradiol, prolactin was the is actually in regard to the milk production. The point, this isn't organic, natural stuff. Even the hormones they're producing are happening in a body that's not supposed to be producing them. And the point is that there are effects to this. And I'm going to get into it in a second. One of the things that a lot of these experts are pointing out is that you have, you have men. Or, or, I mean, actually, either way you look at it, really. But specifically, then you, you have women who are becoming men, if you look at it that way. Trans man, I guess. Who then are taking testosterone supplements. But yet then still want to breastfeed. And then you have an example where they are, there's lots of testosterone in their body. And you can, the science, as we already went over, shows you that that then leads to potential gender dysphoria. So you have this rise in all of this, which seems to be snowballing and creating more of the same thing. Her progesterone dosage was increased to 200 milligrams daily and was started on Donperidone, 10 milligrams, three times daily, producing three to five ounces of milk per day. Not even remotely enough to actually feed the child. After eight weeks, her milk, this man's milk was, the supply was decreasing. So the Domperidone was increased to 30 milligrams three times a day. This was effective at increasing milk supply back to three to five ounces. Okay, so be clear here that <clears throat> taking this drug consistently, it even started to decrease anyway. Shows you that the bot, this is not natural. So what do they have to do? Well, they keep having to in re- increase the dangerous drug. Although this was not enough to meet the nutritional needs of the child, 
Isn't that what this is all about? She felt encouraged that she was potentially contributing to the health of the child. Well, no, potentially. You're sure, glad they use that word for a reason because you're not. There is not the same nutritional value to this. That's why there's no studies on this, even, except for what we can prove based on the actual science of what this is doing. You're not producing the same. The colostrum does not exist. You're not producing the antibodies and what's needed for the baby. You're producing something at best that's hydration. That's what, that's what we've already gone over in the science. But I guess it's all about affirming this person's needs as opposed to the child, right? She was followed up in the clinic after six months, at which time her milk supply, his milk supply, had decreased to one teaspoon a day. However, he continued to conform, comfort the son with suckling two to three times per day. Well, we're going to get into that in a second. That's where we get into the discussion of the potentially autogynephilia. Her his domperidone was increased from 10 to 20 milligrams three times a day. So even though they kept increasing this to extreme levels, it kept decreasing anyway. So even their best argument, they're pointing at this as success, it's not even feasible or function or, or successful for that matter. Less than 0.1% of the maternal weight adjusted dose of domperidone is excreted in breast milk. Now let's be clear about this. This, what I, the FDA's own statements, as well as a lot of other information, which I'll show you next, I find it really hard to believe that 0.1% is excreted. There's no way, in my opinion, but let's just pretend that's the case. So bottom line, you are still allowing a chemical that's known to cause sudden death, cardiac problems, heart problems, everything. Well, it's the same thing, but they're cardiac issues, but then more specifically, I think it was a, spe- a specific heart issue. Bottom line being that you are allowing a dangerous chemical to be given to your child for your benefit. Tell me where I'm wrong there. And there have been no reports of side effects in breastfed infants. That's just not true. I've already shown you these. We read in scientific studies in this very show. This one right here. Make sure you watch it. It says Domperidone has therefore been approved by the American Academy of Pediatrics Healthcare Health Canada for use in breastfeeding mothers. Oh, it's interesting how they don't follow up on that statement. Because you see, this is one reason why you have trans people going, see, we're allowed to do this. But guess what the truth is, guys? Because that's, that's not a false statement. But you see, that's, that's not what it's being used for. You see, there, this is how the terminology is meant to be confusing. To where if we're just broadly confusing and, and muddling all these names, where, we, where, you know, the point is, oh, that's the wrong one. So, and this you can. This is actually from number two, I think, right here, which is the. Uh, this one's from the FDA itself. It says Domperidone has been approved by the American Academy of Pediatrics for use in breastfeeding mothers. That's the, that's what they're citing right there. However, it is not approved in any country, including in the United States, for enhancing breast milk production in lactating women, and it is also not approved in the U.S. for any indication. Think about that. So this is from the FDA's own state. This is from the FDA, which, by the way, I've already shown you this. But the point is that this is about breastfeeding mothers in the context of of trans men trying to breastfeed. It's not approved anywhere for that purpose. So not only is this not studied, not only do we know their side effects, but they're breaking the law on top of all of it. And nobody seems to care. Caution should be exercised when prescribing Domperidone due to its unknown effect of TC. QTC prolongation. 
Oh, so there's a totally different thing we haven't talked about. And greater caution is necessary for those who also use other medications. Well, they're riddled with other medications with known QTC prolongation effects, such as, guess what? Antidepressants or antipsychotics, which I'm willing to bet you most of these people are on one or both. That's not my opinion. That's based on statistics of how many people in this community are also taking. Well, just let's take a step back from that because that's probably going to bother somebody. Just take a look at the U.S. population. My God, it's most people in this country are on one of those things, which blows me away. And that includes children, guys. There, I mean, there's stats showing there are children as young as one, two, three on antipsychotic medications. How do they make sense? I did a whole article about this years ago. So here is what this is. This is known as QTC. QTC is prolonged if the, if the, oh, I think I have it right here, actually. No, where was that? I swear I opened something for that. I thought I did. Well, I'm probably going to bump into it up there. But the point is, it says, is a measure of delayed ventricular repolarization, which means the heart muscle takes longer than normal to recharge between beats. Oh, gee, that sounds safe especially for a growing infant that was just born. Well, that's what they're literally telling you right there. We should take caution when using this because it's known to do this, especially if you're taking these two things, which they likely are. That's wild to me. So yet again, we're just skipping right over. And don't forget the CDC, that's why we just went over this. They just literally endorsed this without even a mention of the risks anywhere. How do you even explain that unless they are either completely bought off and captured, which I believe to be the truth, or part of this, which might be the case? Blows me away. As opposed to cis women, the induction of lactation in trans women may also require ongoing androgen suppression. And this was achieved with use of spironolactone, 100 milligrams twice daily in our patients. So more chemicals in their body. I mean, they are a chemical factory dumping the stuff into your baby. Now, not all of it translates. Now, this drug crosses the placenta, however, and is not generally recommended in pregnancy. That's different than breastfeeding, but let's look at these in a second. Actually, I think we'll go through one by one. Let's see. Oh, well, here's an interesting point to be made. Before we, I'll just, I, I sometimes line these up in a way where I go one by one and I forget. But here's an article, Medications of Breastfeeding. Now, you guys all know this. These are the kind of classically understood things that we just pretend are not the same once they, there's a narrative around it. Prescribing medications for a breastfeeding mother requires weighing the benefits of medication use for the mother against the risk of not breastfeeding the infant or the potential risk of exposing the infant to medications. A drug that is safe for use during pregnancy may not be safe for the nursing infant. The main point, minimizing risk to infants. Well, avoid drug therapy when possible. Well, this has always been the logic. If you need them to survive, well, then we'll give it formula. But if you don't, then stop them so you can breastfeed. We all know this, right? So ask yourself how it even makes sense where we just kind of go, now it's more important that you feel like a woman. So we're going to ignore the all the logic and, and you're riddled with chemicals, which in fact have directly and proven problems that can translate to the baby. Where are all the doctors that would be like, what are you doing? We all know this is apparently they're afraid to speak up. Here. Oh, well, I think that's what I was going to do. It's going to go through from here. Well, let me go through this. This was an article written by somebody that was talking about this. Oh, actually, this guy right here, or at least the one he posts down here. But it goes on to say, spironolactone, which we'll look at in a second, 
being used in breastfeeding, although most studies have looked at much lower doses. There has been one human case report describing the development of an ambiguous genitalia in a newborn whose mother was treated with this drug until week five of gestation, but similar findings have not been seen in breastfeeding. Great, but we haven't studied it, though, is the point. So you have an example of a, of a newborn baby coming out with extra genitalia because this drug was being used on the mom. And we're, we're going to pretend like there's no risk there breastfeeding the baby with the same drug, which does translate. I, don't, I just even don't understand how people can let this keep happening. Despite this, it is important to counsel patients regarding the potential impact on sexual differentiation of a newborn with the use of anti androgen therapies given the lack of evidence available. Right. So it seems that we're just spear, snowballing the very problem of gender dysphoria and dumping more hormones and more things that then continue to make this problem larger while balancing its role in minimizing gender dysphoria in the breastfeeding trans women. Right. So again, do you realize we're having this is an article about breastfeeding infants, right? You, did you forget that? You might, because where we are now seems to be completely on another moon. We're talking about whether or not these people feel like women, whether or not their their emotions and their 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 self-esteem is acceptable based on their gender. This is about breastfeeding. That's crazy. It's not. That's the point. It's not about the baby. This is about some kind of ideological association. We advised our patient to maintain adequate hydration and avoid caffeinated beverages. Right, because caffeine will do it. Don't get near caffeine. That'll kill the baby. But go ahead and dump these chemicals into your baby's mouth. But the caffeine, make sure you avoid the caffeine. It's just insulting. The dosage of estrogen was also not stopped abruptly due to the patient's preference. Oh, good. So who cares? So we're dumping, what, hormones, all sorts of estrogen and different things into this baby's mouth. Because the patient just wanted to keep it going. As it was a key component of their gender-affirming therapy. See my point? If this was a woman trying to breastfeed, they was taking medications for anything, the doctor would say, stop them. But if this is a trans person, well, well we can't, we got to make sure we're affirming your identity. Well, then screw the baby. However, did she tell, she did tell us in retrospect that she just randomly of her own accord tried to decrease that one day to make more milk. You know what that is? An experiment. You are experimenting with these things, and it's your baby that is the brunt of it, taking the brunt of it. She felt that, that the sudden decrease in dose augmented her milk supply, is milk supply, compared to the continuation of the dose. Experiment. The volume of breast milk produced by both the trans women in these case studies would not sustain a growing infant without supplementation. So it doesn't even work, guys. It does not even make... So this is all about making this person feel better. Why wouldn't you just do all... I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't need to keep... It's very clear. This does not make sense. If it's dangerous and it doesn't even have the effect they're calling for, then this is all about forcing this ideology. Regardless of the outcomes pertaining to the volumes of milk production, this case was successful, they say despite all that we just went over, in that our patient was able to have an experience that was formerly only available to women. Okay, so that, that's all this was about. We should therefore rethink entirely what successful breastfeeding means. You know, not about the child being fed, not about the child being, you know, bonding and connect, not about any of that, just about making sure this person feels like a woman and that's successful breastfeeding. You, you catching on? The main goal of lactation induction 
in transgender people may not necessarily be milk production. What? But rather the non-nutritional benefits that come from breastfeeding. <laughs> right. All of which we just told you really don't exist between two people, a, a person that did not have this child. But on top of that, this, this is where we cross into the other conversation. Well, what you're talking about then is skin-to-skin contact. Right? Yes. So why do you need milk and a nipple involved? You see the point? The non-nutritional benefit you're talking about is the, the bonding skin-to-skin contact. You don't need this fake process other than for the person, not the baby. Transgender persons commonly face significant barriers to accessing healthcare services. Let me see before I forget this, what this person was saying. I was talking to my trans-friendly lack consultant last night, and she was talking about the benefits it brings without, without milk. And I was like, you're describing a skin-to-skin. We already know the benefits of uh, we already know the benefits. Males don't need to put non-functional nipples in a baby's mouth. I agree with that. There's something inherently wrong here. But ask yourself, trans people commonly face significant barriers to health care. How so? If, you're, if we're talking about trans surgeries, well, as far as I can tell, that's just like you don't, you just need to, you know, talk to one person for 15 seconds. And did you think this? Yes, here you go. I mean, I've already walked you through this. I'll show you examples today. Children coming in. Here's puberty blockers until we figure it out. That's not a barrier at all. That's removing barriers for literally anybody. What they're talking about, though, is this weird illusion that's created that somehow by not allowing children to do this, that we're hurting them, removing their rights. And yet it's even in a peer-reviewed study. <laughs> it's just mind-blowing. The use of heteronormative and cisnormative language in breastfeeding literature and language further reduces the ability of trans persons, particularly trans women, from accessing support leading to marginal... That's just a gobbledygook of not... What's the, what are you getting at? Where is the access to healthcare that isn't happening? That's not what, that doesn't seem to say it there. Future research will be important to further characterize such barriers. To, uh, where's the barrier? We recommend that breast development with chest... Cur- oh, I, okay, you, it seems like we just don't talk about it. But we all know there's barriers, though, that we hear about, and they're being killed. It's just, I, I don't even know how this is possible. There are many unanswered questions. That's, in the, that's the first paragraph of the conclusion. There are many unanswered questions. But go ahead and keep doing it, though. right? Go ahead and give it to your baby, even though we have no idea what's going on. Breastfeeding was established at a level satisfactory to the patient, which is apparently the only point. It is our hope that further research into this area will improve access to the aspect of female gender identity. Very clear. Where's the baby in all this? Who cares? The secondary point, guys. Get with the program. Unbelievable. Here, we're going to get into this article here that was written by the guy who pointed this out. Oh, you know, the other thing, well, I actually already mentioned that, the idea of you know, the, the uh, Dr. Peter McCullough brought this up, actually. The idea that the hormones that pass through all, just the foods we eat, the meat that we consume, absolutely does create this same problem. It's all part of the conversation. Here, here's the interview. You can watch it for yourself. Here's an important point. He goes through these. This is a great article, actually. I'm not familiar with the platform or the writer. This, it's all sourced, so it really doesn't matter. You can look at the facts for yourself. But he talks about these three main points, which, which is what we're doing. Right, milk production volume, adequate nutrition, medication effects. 
right? These are three things that we need to know to make this something that matter or that, that's feasible. That's not just about making this person feel better at the expense of the baby, right? So milk production. Cut to the chase. He goes. He looks at both the studies. We're t- we, we went over one of them. We've shown you the last, the, the other one last time, actually. But you can look through them. I hope you will. The second case study mirrors what was seen in the first. They're both the same. Lactation was induced by altering their chemical makeup and using domperidone to increase lactation. Get, so there's all sorts of chemicals. Even given more dosing, they were still only able to produce not enough to feed the baby. Nowhere near nutritional value. Well, that's just assuming it even has all the nutrition that it needs. They're just saying based on volume, but actual nutrition, also not true. Goes over three or four different studies. From all of these studies, and you can read them, please do. We can say that the nutritional value of breast milk was only ever proven in females. The studies involving males are consistent in low milk supply and inconsistent when it comes to nutritional value. Now, I would argue, point blank, I haven't seen a single study ever even try to get into the conversation. You know why? Because it's not true. And that comes from one of the earliest discussions I've had about this, where this was broken down long before this. This was, I think, 2018, maybe before, where it, we talk, this was coming from one of the earliest studies where the bottom line was that this was basically a light, not, you know, slight milky discharge, and it was basically about hydration, and that's it. And yet we just, you know, it's like everything else we keep talking about. We saw the safe and effective lie three years ago. Who cares? We're getting lied to again. Because people can't seem to remember, two-party illusion keeps that happening. So no, not, not enough nutrition, at the very least. Not enough in general. What about the effects of the drugs? Well, here's where it gets even more concerning. Something to note, he says, is that this pamphlet states the maximum dose to be used in Domperidone to increase lactation is 10 milligrams three times a day. You can remember that what we just went over. It's way more than that. In the second study linked to this list, the trans woman had to increase the dose of domperidone to 30 milligrams, three times a day. That is a three-time increase of the maximum dosage so they can make this happen. Now, doesn't that seem dangerous? Well, yeah. They're telling you this is the maximum amount. That's usually for health, safety. <clears throat> but, of course, because we need this person to feel like a woman, no holds barred, right? Three-time increase which then increases the amount that will come through to the baby. In addition, now that, again, don't forget when they're saying only 0.01%, that, and what did they say? Don't forget. They said, let me find it real quick. It says, come on, where was it? Here. Less than 0.01% of the maternal weight adjusted dose. Ah, okay. So they're basing this on the argument that there's a certain amount that's always given, except They didn't do that, which you can see very clearly in the study. They gave them a lot more than that dose. (laughs) So that's not true then. It seems like they probably would know that was a lie. In addition, the pamphlet states that no known impacts to health of mother or infant were documented for the 10 milligram dose. Right, which is not what they used. None of these studies in the pamphlet included male participants, and that is the scam. So you're pretending that this makes sense, and you're only studying women in this context. The point is, we're not talking about a woman using this to increase her breast milk. That is one reason. That's one thing that is allowed. We're talking about men doing this in regard to, and, and we just showed you the FDA. That's not approved anywhere because it's different, guys. This I, this game we're playing where these things there's no biological difference. I mean, it's we're, we're being lied to. We all know that. The next cited page is another information. Oh, and here this was just this, which I've already included. This is the FDA's own page. 
It is not approved any country and so on. There have been several published reports and case studies of cardiac arrhythmias, cardiac arrest, sudden death. Note that the drug is excreted in breast milk and the risks are unknown and they're using it anyway. Next cited page information is on Domperidone, which continues to state the side effects for the infant are not well known or tested, but the vast majority of mothers receive little to no benefit from the use of the medication. This means that the risk is not worth the benefit for the breastfeeding mothers. Now realize that's for women. Even then, what they're saying is, and this is a drug that's not even for this. It's like, I forget what they said the original purpose was for. So the bottom line is they find this abstract use for it. And even then they go, well, it doesn't even work for most of them. Now you're breaking it even more abstract and giving it to men to argue they can agree. And we're already seeing it not work. But I guess that doesn't matter. Just skipping right past whether it works, whether it's safe. Realize these are the same people that pretend the injections are safe for you. Next, we cover three medications that trans women use and their safety for infants who are breastfeeding. The first is spironolactone, which we just talked about. In the citation provided, it states that the use of spironolactone is acceptable and shows the levels seen in applicable case studies. Of these case studies, there was only one trans woman, and the dose was at 100 milligrams per day in two doses. However, many trans women can take a maximum of 400 milligrams a day. Additionally, the article states that there is no published information about the use of spironolactone in infants via breastfeeding. In other words, it's a big unknown given the potential varying doses. Or in general, if we don't have any published studies about whether it's safe in breastfeeding, we don't know if it's safe. I mean, it's just, it really does continue to blow my mind. They all know this, guys. There's no way you can pretend that makes sense. You're knowingly putting the child at risk to make this person feel like a woman. Now let's look at the next one. Here's another example, just in case you were unsure. Oh, wait, this is the, is that the right one? No, no, we're talking the spiralactone. Hold on. Where was that one? Not this one. Did I grab that one? I swear I thought I did. I did a few of them. I guess not. That's weird. Or I guess I closed it, maybe. Oh, well. Well, anyway, that, that gives you the balls. I brought them up. Here, let's just do this real quick. Oh, forgot. I don't want to go that long today. Used to treat, and just read this real quick and see if that gives us anything. It's a medication that is primarily used to treat fluid buildup due to heart failure. <laughs> Great. Great. Well, maybe that'll help seeing as how you're giving them other things that affect their heart. I mean, I'm just being facetious kind of, but it's scary. It's also used in treatment of high blood pressure, low blood. I mean, this, these are, I can't, this, I mean, even just giving some, a, a infant low blood pressure medication, that can be deadly. I just, it's a crazy to me. And these things, they just don't even know, which is what they just said. We don't know. We don't know the safety because we haven't studied it. The next medication on the list is estradiol. Now, these are important to me because this is where you get into the EDC overlap, the hormones. The linked citation states that serum concentrations of maternal estradiol, estradiol and serum infant estradiol levels were not connected. However, many infant estradiol levels were not connected. Uh, excuse me. However, many cases that involve the use of estradiol results in the inability to provide sufficient nutrition to the infant without supplemental nutrition sources. This is because in females who breastfed, estrogen levels are naturally lowered while prolactin levels rise, which is for the milk, right? So the body, it's, it's natural, right? So your body stops producing the estrogen as much and increases prolactin. When a mother stops breastfeeding, of course, well, her prolactin levels decrease and her estrogen rises back up. So that's how the body works. Allowing her to start her menstrual cycle again. So although... 
it may be a safe hormone to have while breastfeeding. And that's according, again, it's different than what's naturally produced in the body and then injecting this into somebody. That's not the same thing. I mean, technically we're talking about the same thing, but it's like arguing that what they're doing with the injection is the same thing. Well, it's, you know, natural. It's not. We've already seen that there's a big difference between not organically created stuff. But it says it is natural. It, it is naturally ant- antagonistic to the hormonal process that allows for lactation to occur. So the problem he's p- pointing out there is that you have these men who are taking all of this at the same time to create both their own personal direction of their ideology, but also they want breast milk. See my point? So they have both. So you're pumping high levels of, of, of hormones alongside the milk, which is not how this is supposed to work. And that's and, and the point he's making as well is that's probably why the body is not producing very much along with the reality that your body's not supposed to be doing that. The third medication on the list is, uh, oh, here, let's look at that first. Had it all backwards here. Okay, this one first. This is a steroid hormone, and it says it is responsible for the development of female secondary sexual characteristics. Let's look right at it. Let's look on the, these, oops, didn't mean to close that. Oh, well, I think I've got it right here. Yeah. Estradiol is responsible for the development of secondary sexual characteristics, that is, growth and development of the breasts and reproductive organs, fat redistribution, the bone maturation, the maturation of the ovary and adolescence, and correlates with the estradiol secretions at the stage of puberty. Does this sound like something you want inside of a growing infant? What, what, what if it's a boy? See my point, guys? That's a problem. You are basically giving this infant things that will affect its development, in particular with its sexual orientation. Maybe they don't care about that. Maybe that's intentional. Who knows? The bottom line is that's not okay. Side effects in general, upset stomach, nausea, bloating, breast tenderness, headache, weight changes occur. Why would that, even that alone might be deadly for an infant just being born. But he gets into all, all sorts of other things, depression, memory loss, abdominal pain, Here's what it says here. Estradiol is used to treat menopause symptoms like hot flashes and vaginal changes and to prevent osteoporosis in menopausal women. Estradiol is also used to treat low estrogen levels in women with ovarian failure. It is also indicated to treat certain types of breast cancer, prostate cancer. Good. Let's pump it into your baby. That's not okay, guys. There's nothing safe about that. The next medication, progesterone. The cited page, but all of these are in that baby that just breastfed from this man. The cited page gives an overview of progesterone and the impact on nursing women and infants, which is minimal, they say. However, the dose given to these women was via birth control medications or devices producing a dose of approximately 10 milligrams per day. The starting dose of progesterone recommended for trans women can be as high as 100 to 200 milligrams per day. It's the same game. It's just acting like these things don't matter. Well, here we. This is this is right off of uh, the drug bank. Progesterone has been detected in breast milk of nursing mothers. All of this stuff is flooding into this baby, and the science can make this very clear. Commonly reported side effects of this include abdominal cramps, depression, dizziness, and headache, and you know, and then also other other things: mus- musculoskeletal pain, nausea, bloating, emotional problems, irritability. You know, hormonal changes because that makes sense, right? Adverse reactions after this. One of the things they list. The risk profile of progest- progesterones is characterized by nonspecific reported adverse events, which in- incident rates between 1% and 10%, it's a lot, 
common to substances belonging to this class of drug. The most frequently reported adverse event, bleeding problems. Yeah, that's great for a baby. Headache, breast, and pelvic pain. Altered and depressed mood, nausea, acne, weight gain. Bleeding problems. All of this is easy to look up. Now it says the first case study, the progesterone levels of the trans woman was up to at least 400 milligrams per day. That's double the highest level that we're talking about for trans women anyway. Why? Because they're trying to force this to happen at the expense of everything. That is 40 times greater than the dose being given to mothers in the efficacy studies given in birth control. So they're pointing to the study that goes, see, you're totally safe. And then giving them 40 times the dose. The point is, no studies have evaluated the safety and efficacy at that dose. I just, I'm just still blown away that we're even here. It really is mind-blowing to me. Now, we just talked about this. You can watch this for yourself. All of these we're talking about are considered endocrine-disrupting chemicals. And on top of everything else around you, glyphosate, PFAS, dioxins, damn near everything around you, it seems. And here's a, here's a focus with the similar image we did where we talked about this first, and I invited him on afterward to talk about it. Are endocrine-disrupting chemicals, EDCs, causing gender dysphoria? The peer-reviewed science says yes. No question. Can it? Yes. Always? I don't know. But you can look it up for yourself. The very people screaming trust the science don't like what this says, so they ignore it. Now, this gets into the more concerning part of this, which we're going to end with for the most part. And this really does make me uncomfortable. The idea that there is obviously, in some cases, a sexual fetish within this. And that is, you know, to the point where somebody would seek this out for the ability to have an accessory to be used like this. And that makes me wildly uncomfortable even to say out loud. So here is what we're going to get into. And this is the discussion of uh, autogynophilia. Now, we just talked about this person here on this side, which is one of the reasons this conversation kind of got focused on. This person went out and was, was what they call chest feeding, which just kind of creeps me out for some reason. In front of a big crowd at some kind of dra- drag queen story time, and everybody online started call, you know, t- calling it out. You know, for, for possibly reasons that are in disc and not even connected with everything we pointed out, just that they just think that's wrong. Turns out they're right for, for reasons they might even not even think. The fact that it's dangerous, the fact that it's not scientifically studied, and the fact that it's not even nutritionally valuable for a baby outside of maybe new- hydration. And then God only knows what else since we don't have long-term studies, right? Well, then... I saw Riley Gaines put this video out and it was exactly what we'd already talked about when we read this. And I'll come back to it in a second from this case study about a previous example. Let's first play this video for you. And then we're going to get into a video from Jordan Peterson that talks about how real this very problem is. This video just simply shows you Riley Gaines seeking out this person's account and finding a lot of overlap with this person's sexual fetish that happens to overlap with the breastfeeding of a child. Okay, for the longest time, I refrained from posting on TikTok. Um, I'm the swimmer who competed against Leah Thomas, who has been outspoken on why men should not be competing in women's sports or changing in our locker rooms. But after what I saw today on Twitter, I will be blasting my opinions and my views on all of my social media platforms because this is sick. And I think a true testament of where, as Americans, we are today. Okay, so I came across this picture yesterday on Twitter which is very clearly a man who is claiming the identity of a woman and breastfeeding a child. After seeing that picture, I very quickly took to my Twitter to call that what it is, which is sexual abuse of a child. But I didn't realize to what degree until I saw this. 
In the following photos, you will see the same man who was breastfeeding the child actively using nipple clamps to fulfill his sexual fetish. Here is another one. And here is another one. And here is the Instagram caption from the same man on his Instagram profile where he wanted to check on how hard you can tug on the nipple clamps. So I guess what I'm wondering is how can any sane human being see this man posing with this child, obviously sucking on his nipple, now seeing what he engages in privately and not see this baby as an erotic prop for this man with a sick fetish? It is sexual abuse of a child, bottom line. And all of this to say that in America, we are normalizing pedophilia. Um, let me repeat that. We are normalizing pedophilia. And we're normalizing this behavior in the guise of human rights. But sexual abuse is not a human right for anyone. I hate to even be spreading this message, but I think people need to see it. One thing that's important to point out is, you know, making the argument that they're normalizing pedophilia despite evidence of that exact point, like even going back to the very person I was insinuating or mentioning in the early part of this, a lot of people tend to react, that's a right-wing talking point. And, and it is, in fact. <laughs> but does that mean it's false? It might. But it's really ignorant to push back on things just because you're, that's, that's the right thing, the, the right-wing thing, so we're supposed to pretend like it's fake. That means you're lost in the two-party paradigm whether you think so or not. The point is here, you could argue that this is an agenda, like to outright normalize pedophilia for some specific end. Now, I, I don't know if I can prove explicitly that. I do, I've pointed this out myself. I've shown you articles written about trying to make it, you know, New York Times. I, made, I wrote an entire article about this myself years ago. The idea, like maybe, you know, I acted like the article, something was like, I, I, why I admire, admire Anthony Weiner for coming out and, you know, explaining why he thought this. It was like, well, that's gross. And then you can find the article where they go, oh, pedophilia is a disorder, not a crime. To me, that's essentially trying to make it normalized. And that, that's, I think that's very obvious. Now, you could argue there's not some kind of massive government agenda. And let's just even say I'm wrong about the New York Times part of it, right? Let's just put all, let's argue, like, let's just pretend it's all, I don't think that, but let's pretend like that's not even real. What, even what she's saying, though, you could argue it's not that there's an agenda, just simply that by doing this, by allowing people that maybe even themselves don't associate with that concept to do it openly is the same thing, is it not? I would agree with that. Now, I'm just making it as abstract as possible for those trying to dismiss it. I agree with what she's saying. I think there's an obvious effort here to to kind of blend the lines. Now, whether that's because there's some nefarious effort to make this acceptable or because there's another thing around it all, whether, you know, maybe we could talk about the transhumanist agenda, you know, all sorts of conversations. The point is the same. It's still happening. Now, we can quibble all day about whether it's a trick by left or right, or, but these children are still being abused or still being used in this way, as we just made clear. Now, let's make this even more uncomfortable, unfortunately. So, first of all, she says that I just point out that we were just talking about this and, and, and explain how the FDA does say this is clearly not safe. Right. But then we've got Jordan Peterson. Well, I, I saw him. I saw him speak about this. This is a Milk Bar TV clip. Talking about exactly this point. Now, before we even play this. Uh, oh, wait, where was it? Right. Uh, oh, did I lose that again? God, I feel like I closed a bunch of stuff on accident there. I had a definition of this somewhere here. Is this right here? Yeah, I think we'll read this first. Just so people understand what this is. Now, there's a few points to this. Autogynophilia. It says it is a paraphilia 
that is theorized to underlie transvestitism and some forms of male-to-female transsexualism. Autogynophilia encompasses sexual arousal with cross-dressing and cross-gender expression that does not involve women's clothing per se. There's different variations of this in general, and I'll show you the one we're talking about today. Autogynophilia resembles a sexual orientation in that it involves elements of idealization and attachment as well as erotic desire. Nearly 3% of men in Western countries may experience autogynophilia. So the point is, it's real, and that there's a percentage of people specifically in this group that associate with this, whether they even know it or not. Its most severe manifestation, MTF transsexualism, is rare but increasing in prevalence. This was back in 2011. Far more prevalent now in general. Some theorists and clinicians reject that transsexual topology and theory of motivation derived from autogonophilia. Their objections, the author argues, suggest a need for additional research. The point point is that the science and the research and and what we can prove, it backs it up. It's real. Autogynophilia exemplifies an unusual paraphilic category called erotic target identity inversions, in which men desire to impersonate or turn their bodies into facsimiles of the persons or things to which they are sexually attracted. So that's the broad conversation, which would then argue, which we'll get into, is that you know maybe the people that are dancing provocatively in front of children, they're doing so because they want to envision themselves as what they think is a sexual concept, and that gets them off. But there's other sides to this, which we just read, which is from this. I really hope you'll read this. It's all sourced to peer-reviewed science and other things we can discuss. But, and, and I read this whole thing for you guys. One part of it was a previous discussion. And, and in this discussion, it was about the, the same point I keep making. The contrast of saying women shouldn't have medications before breastfeeding, but then allowing men full of medication to do so, so they can decide, fulfill their desire to breastfeed. And that's when he makes this point. Psychosexual disorders, which we all know are real, such as autogynophilia, are present in a proportion of men who identify as women, which we just showed you in, in that category. Breastfeeding fetishes are a feature of this condition. There's all sorts of studies on this. As this excerpt from a news article discusses, we've read this for you, 2017. It says, breastfeeding is freaky. I'm going to skip this part. It says, no, it's because when my baby attaches to my breast, there was an incredible chemical cascade that ran through my entire body like lightning. Imagine the most electric thing a partner has ever done to you. Then multiply it by 10. I could feel my brain rewiring, rewiring, creating pathways that would permanently connect me to my child and very clearly says, and yeah, I kind of got off on it. Don't judge. That's just disgusting. There's no line in which you should conflate, cross the sexual idea or anything sexual with your child. That's wrong, inherently. But So my point is we should see clearly that there is, I mean, look, here's an, there's an entire thread on this here. You can find this stuff all over the place. Breastfeeding group outrages women by allowing men with these fetishes to attend their meetings. Like there's, there's a lot you can read on this, guys. But back to the point, here's Jordan Peterson making this argument about how this is part of what we're talking about. Pedophilia is the fantasy. It's a sexual fantasy, generally. It often characterizes men who become transsexual and start tra- cross-dressing later in life. Those are the guys who get sexual kicks from dressing up in women's clothing and then go dr- do drag queen story hour. Cross-dressing later in life in women's clothing. Right here, I just want to make a point. Like, this is where we overlap. Like, okay, so what this would imply, right? And we see a lot of this. Like, quite actually, Dylan Mulvaney is one that dresses up like a child all the time. That You could argue that this would be autogynophilia and that your sexual attraction is to a young girl. And so you like to see yourself as the young girl. Now, I'm not saying that's what this is or for Dylan or anybody. 
but that's a real thing. And that's scientifically what we're talking about. So if we know that's possible, that needs to be part of the conversation. Right? And, and go dra- do drag queen story hour. They develop sexual arousal from picturing themselves or acting out being the opposite sex. I think a lot of a lot of what happens to these men who develop these sexual fetishes later in life is that there is a part of them that's crying out for exploration of and development of their feminine side. But instead of having that happen psychologically and starting to integrate, let's say, compassion and care and concern for people rather than things. I am a beautiful woman who could offer a partner, a lover, a friend, empathy and compassion and validate their feelings ways that the cisgender men who fear us could never truly do. Instead of integrating those cross-sexual proclivities, they start to act it out. Say, well, we're just, you know, pristine and pure. It's like, no, you're not. You're getting a sexual kick from dressing up in women's clothing. And let's not bloody well forget it. This one's really lovely. Oh, there's nothing sexual about this. It's like, yeah, right. You're dressing up in lingerie before your mirror at home, tucking your dick between your legs, imagining you have a vagina for sexual kick. Are we topless at the White House? Oh, there was nothing sexual about that. Yeah, right. Bloody, absolute liars. And you can't even say that now, but every clinician worth his salt knew that for decades. Now it's, it's become verboten to even suggest such a thing. Exactly. You're not even allowed to point at it, right? Now, obviously, you could see, as I said in the beginning, how somebody might use this conversation to make it out to be that all transgender people are pedophiles or disgusting or predators. I don't think that. I do feel that I think, based on my research, that there's a problem here, that people are being given treatment that is actually counterproductive to their health. But you're an adult. You can do what you want, right? Children are off limits. The problem here is that, that, that we, it, we need to be objective about this and that people might over it, but, that, but that, would, that shouldn't stop you from doing the work the right way, which is that this is part of it, is it not? That there are predators out there who are using this to get close to you, that we know this, and yet that community, for some weird reason, pushes back on that. That doesn't mean that everybody there is aware that it's being done for that reason. They may be being told in their circles that that's fake or that it's being misrepresented. The truth is that we know that there's a part of this. Because that's just in any circle that you point at, there's going to be people that are problematic, no matter what. So here is an article, uh, just another one from, uh, which one was this, 2011, 21, excuse me, making a similar point from Australia, saying, the Australian Breastfeeding Association has just released a guide for chest feeding. My problem, and to be honest, deep offense with this is fourfold. Firstly, I believe that the peak organization for breastfeeding in our nation should not allow activists because that's what this is, to move one inch from centering the mother and the infant from their focus, which I just made clear that's what's happening. It's more about this ideology than the, than the child's safety. More importantly, they should guard the space of breastfeeding mothers and exclusively female, one for the safety and dignity of women and their children. Thirdly, LGB organizations, LGBTQ organizations, promote an ideology that leads to the removal of healthy breast tissue in increasingly younger women as an unproven treatment for a range of gender identity conditions. Finally, and to state the bleeding obvious, the ABA should strive at all costs to keep breastfeeding away from the realm of of fetish. Uh, He says, I unfortunately not exaggerating 
by he's not enforced not exaggerating by talking about breastfeeding as a fetish you can google it if you're game it's true it's very easy to look up and that's both the breast milk side of it but also just breastfeeding a child recently a pregnant woman with an OnlyFans following has decided to cash in on this by doing these things to sell things as a fetish to her audience so let's not pretend like this isn't something that's out there enough to make money on it is not only a fetish for heterosexual men regarding lactating women but for autogynophilic males if you want to be fundamentally disturbed, you can read an article by a trans-identified male discussing how this got them off, right? The point is that we can very clearly show that this is obviously something that does exist. And that is a big deal for me. The fact that we know this is happening, not only just dangerous because it can hurt them or because it's not nutritional, but because they're being subjected to some kind of sexual perversion as an infant. My husband pretends to breastfeed from me. This is from 2020. It's not hard to look up. There's obviously an overlap here, guys. The point is, if this, just like, look at it this way. So this person, this man, clearly has this fetish. Now, let's say a week from now, this man decided, hey, I'm a trans woman. Well, then what would you think? Isn't it possible that that trans woman could then have this fetish and apply it going forward? Of course not, Ryan. That's crazy conspiracy theory or fact, however you want to look at it. Now, I want to go over a few more points to finish here. And this is one that I actually pointed out recently and, and was, was just kind of a, a one I grabbed in passing to make points about. But what's really alarming to me is I even misread this when I looked at it, that this isn't something that was de- like delayed that was going, apparently this pedophile, a verifiable, and I mean, it's rough. When you look into this, this person is dangerous. Posted stuff on their own social media site that will make, that will keep you up at night. The point is they were in fact spared jail. It's done. They're not going to jail because of this disconcern. I don't even understand it's possible. There's something wrong here, and it's happening more than just this one case. Riley Gaines also points out, and this gets into the reality of the child overlap for me, or the adolescent. This is the third example I have seen associated with the YMCA. This 16-year-old girl at the YMCA has been kicked off her swimming team because she was upset, upset about a naked man in her locker room. Now, imagine this was 10 years ago. Just because that man says he's a woman, it doesn't matter that this girl feels uncomfortable in her changing room with a full naked male being there. The other two examples we talked about were children, six and seven years old, where they were as a grown man showering in the women's locker room, and these little girls by themselves ran and hid, traumatized, in the corner of the shower until this person left. And what they did, they told them they were bigots for pointing it out. Like, I want to go punch that person in the face. That's disgusting that you would even tell them they were bigots. They were traumatized. Like, that tells me you are a problem. In any case, the point is, I can't believe this is still happening. Even more so that they get kicked off their team for pointing out that they feel traumatized. What happened to believe women? I thought this girl was supposed to be believed. I thought, I mean, the point is, she is traumatized. Doesn't that matter? Isn't the whole argument we're supposed to accept everybody for who they are? Like, it's just so contradictory everywhere you look. So, obviously, this is a political agenda. And these people are being used and spit out by it, as always. Well, here's a few examples. Germany BDSM youth. That's a real thing. A nonprofit had a booth at a Pride event in Munich. And before you think it's fake news, here's their own page. Translated. A BDSM... Junged is a nonprofit association in the German-speaking area, which does youth work in the BDSM and sex education area. Oh, great! So you're 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 teaching children about 
sexual proclivity. I mean, how is this even allowed? Because of the way this is going right now. It's completely, it's being forced on people. Minnesota Planned Parenthood entices teens as young as 13 with a gift card, $150, in fact, for completing their sex ed summer camp. This is a real thing. This, I mean, think about how creepy this is from the, from the jump here. We're talking about not, here's anatomy, right? Here's a penis and here's a vagina. Here's how it works, which is, that's what sexual education was for us growing up. Now they're going, let's bring you away. Where parents can't, or you know, we're, we're basically we're we're going to bring you to a different location and pay you to be there. We're going to teach you about sex. Doesn't that seem creepy in and of itself? Why wouldn't you just do it at a, at a location where it's already, you know, like like a school? <laughs> like this is creepy to me. But on top of that, it's not just about sexual education. You know what they taught them? They talk about fellatio, anal sex, different positions. This is about sexualizing children, guys. There's no way around that. Even if these people don't think that's what they're doing and they think that this is because we need to stop being such prudes and sex is everybody, we're all young sexual beings. No, that's not true. You're teaching them things that is inappropriate at a point to where they don't understand what's going on, which we used to understand. But yeah, you can read this for yourself. Planned Parenthood, of course, you know, the classically eugenics-tied platform that knows what they're doing. Now, of course, the, the mother makes statements on here that's going to be associated with QAnon, which then makes them dismiss everything. And that's how this works. Sort of like that the movie discussion, right? Where I guarantee you there are all sorts of things in that movie that are left, right-leaning, right talking. It's a movie. It's not a documentary, right? How about you go watch She Said, the documentary about the Me Too movement Weinstein, and let's pretend like everything in there is completely accurate to what happened and not left-wing talking points. But no, we don't do that. All these people that are attacking that are just shameless, man. Like, I, I've never even for a second thought that it wouldn't be propagandized by the The point is, it's still about child trafficking. And to come out and act like it's suddenly some kind of hype about ignore. Like, look, even people saying that it's about downplaying child trafficking. Like, how do you even make sense of that? I don't care if everything in that thing was a lie. Seems like we're all talking about child trafficking right now. Doesn't that seem to, like it's just so insulting to me? And people act like I'm somehow taken by the right wing because I'm even just pointing out that it's ridiculous to call it QAnon adjacent when it's it's you know, it, it, just because the actor went on and made a bunch of statements that people align with QAnon. I mean, are we pretending that organ trafficking isn't real? I mean, I just a whole other topic. I'm not even going to get into it. It's not even worth it. It's such an obvious mire trying to get people distracted from everything. It's just crazy to me that, you know, all, you, plenty of people, you probably know who I'm talking about. But same point here, right? So down here she goes, uh, you know, talking about, uh, you know, prime, grooming them for sex trafficking, all these kind of things, which is certainly a real thing somewhere, right? But because she says that, the left's going to go, oh, QAnon, fake news, ignore the whole thing. And that's how it works. And you're dumb for doing that. This, well, we already pointed out, New Jersey sees a 4,000% spike in people identifying as non-binary that just so happens to follow the trans curriculum. See, they're going to go, well, they were always trans and we just gave them the, the freedom to... Tri-. No. This, these clusters that we already talked about, that, that this, this whistleblower told you about, that we're going to talk about in a second, that they weirdly kept seeing these clusters of friends of girls that came in all together and they all decided they were non-binary. That's not how this works. This is propagandizing them. You are driving people that don't need this to take action because they think it's something they're allowed to do that has no consequences, which they're being lied to about. Some of them might be, but they're children, and they shouldn't be allowed to make these choices until they're old enough to understand what they're doing. We're talking about children here, 13, 14 years old, 
Well, on top of that, Politico points out New Jersey sues the school district over their attempts to try to allow them to tell the parents what's going on. Not a joke. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy's administration has now sued three schools for adopting policies to tell parents if their children are showing signs of changing their identity. God forbid we should inform parents about what their children are doing at school. But not according to Phil Murphy. He put his foot down and said, how dare you? These children can make all sorts of sexual choices and surgeries in their bodies without your parents knowing because that's their right. I mean, basically. <laughs> I mean, that, it, just, it just blows my mind that this is where we are. Protect trans students. No, that's what we're trying to do. You are not protecting them by allowing this to happen. Now, here's an example. Now, again, I think I'm just going to, it's just for sake of time. I, ho- I hope you will, actually, I'll play the beginning of this. This is a child who was already used by this agenda in a documentary called Transformation, framing it as a success. And here's how it works. And this is why we know it's okay. He's now grown up and regrets it. That's how this works. And you'll never get a documentary about that, not from the groups that did the first one. May or may not recognize me. I um, was in a MTV documentary about trans youth back in 2016 um, called Transformation. When you see um, the kid named Milo, um, that's me. That was me um, before any medical stuff happened to me. First thing that I I think I said was, so do you want a penis? (laughs) And he was like, no. (laughs) So that was my first thought. You know, I've learned in in the past months that it's not that. You know, it has nothing to do with that. It's who you feel like you are inside, your gender. Like, I, I cannot imagine living my life as female. At times, he feels like he could hurt himself. You know, just because of the way he feels inside. And I've heard a lot of horror stories about, you know, the percentage of trans kids that commit suicide. Yeah. And just cut to the chase. He regrets it. Right. So this is a this this is a, a, a girl, I guess, that wanted to be a boy when they were a child. And the point is that now she, I guess, regrets it. At all that happened. Despite what that mom, oh, I learned something. I learned that this, no, you're wrong. <laughs> you were manipulated by propaganda to think that's what was going on. And so was your child to the point to where they were convinced that this was the thing that would save everything. Just like we've seen an endless procession of where they go and they say, I was manipulated. I was just actually gay. I was just actually depressed. I had schizophrenia. I had ADHD. We've seen all of these. And I guess we're not allowed to point that out because these are just the byproduct. These are, these are the, the, acceptable byproduct of this agenda but they would never say that i think i regret medically transitioning to male i've been on testosterone and doing testosterone injections for about seven and a half years um i started when and don't don't forget regardless of the person's decision for the rest of her life has to be on these treatments for the rest of her life because you're not producing things now. Your body is all over the place. So you're, doesn't, you, it's a win for Big Pharma no matter what you decide after that. I was 14 in 2015. I also got top surgery, which is double mastectomy, 
with um, kind of like male appearance chest reconstruction when I was 16. My God. I'm this was 13. 13. 16. I then got a hysterectomy last year when I was 21. The biggest reason was um, because I was getting a lot of pain, um, like atrophy, cramping in my uterus from the testosterone yeah. in my head. I kind of had this these thoughts of like, well, if I'm a man, then I don't need these. The point is that every single problem that arises because of what they're doing is simply just or is the solution is more treatment. What a self-serving, disgusting illusion. Like think of, we keep seeing this that we just we talked about the, the, the I think it was I keep forgetting which way. Like, I think it was a, a man who transitioned to a woman. But the point was he he was he went in and ever it was like, I regret this. They're like, no, 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 you don't regret it. You just have OCD. Remember that? We just talked about it. We just showed you the video. Kept coming back going, I don't know. I think this is wrong. No, no, no. You're just confused. You're just wrong. These doctors are dangerous. If you're just ignoring what they're telling you and driving. And don't forget, that was the kid that kept that kept saying, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not ready for that. I don't want to do that. And then and refused it like five times until finally they said yes. The point that they make now is, well, I, maybe they should have listened to me when I was saying no four times in a row, right? This is a problem where these doctors are either sinister or completely in cult mentality where they they believe their own BS. Clearly this is possible. There are people getting caught in this that are being ran through the wood chip. They don't they're not they're coming out the other end worse than before. And these are the kind of people that end up taking their own lives. And guess what? That goes down as a trans suicide. Think about that for a second. Maybe like eight months after my hysterectomy, I had to go into emergency surgery because one of my um, my right ovary twisted inside and kind of died. They said it like twisted and it was like, I don't know if like the circulation got cut off to it or something and it died and sort of ruptured. And now I only have one ovary. God, man. I mean, please watch this. It's just it's just disgusting and horrific and sad. You know why all that's happening? Because your body's rejecting everything that's happening as we keep hearing from these people. Endless infections, all sorts of problems, endless use of medical treatment. I mean, it, it's this is not safe. Now, let's just add one last point to this. As you've already seen, the whistleblower, which you should read, from February, who came out and said, I thought I was saving trans kids, but now I'm blowing the whistle. This person is a trans person, married to a trans man who is speaking out about how this is bad. Now, it still argues that this, there's use for this for some people, but that they realize what they're doing to children is wrong. This is happening everywhere right now. The one point I want to read you is how they are clearly funneling people from psychiatric units. First of all, it says anyone who raised doubts about this in the work were called a transphobe. Of course, because you're not allowed to have a different opinion. Is that, that's conducive to, to conversation and, and science, right? It says the girls who came to us had many comorbidities. Of course they did. Depression, anxiety, ADHD, eating disorders, obesity. These are people on multiple medications, people that are already struggling and vulnerable, who are told that this will solve their problems, and that sounds wonderful, until it doesn't. Many were diagnosed with autism or had autism-like symptoms. They didn't care. A report last year on a British pediatric transgender center found that about one-third of their patients were on the autism spectrum. These are people that are just find, searching for a solution, and they're told this will solve their problems. To people that are desperate, that sounds like everything they've been looking for. 
Frequently, our patients declared that they had disorders that no one believed they had. That's so incredibly important. These people already believed things that weren't true. They thought they had Tourette's. Turns out they didn't. They thought they had tics. They thought they were, these people were psychologically damaged. They thought they had multiple personalities. They didn't. The doctors privately recognized that these false diagnoses were simply a manifestation of social contagion. Like, she makes the point. They even acknowledge that suicide itself has an element of that. We've seen this, like I pointed out last time, that movie on, on Netflix. You know, even after that movie, there was kind of a surge in suicide. The point is that it, there is an overlap to that where it's like a trend. And if we think, if, if even suicide can be like that, why don't we recognize it here? She said the same thing. But when she, they said the clusters of girls streaming into the service looked as if their gender issues might be a manifestation of social contagion, like they had a class that day, right? Or they, the curriculum they were teaching all of a sudden suddenly influenced them to the point where they thought it was what they were, right? Exactly. Well, the doctor said, no, it's not the real thing. Or rather that gender identity is something innate. Like it's not possible that, it, of course it is. It doesn't matter what the topic is. Everything can have an element of social contagion unless your money rides on it, right? Here's the main point. She pointed something out that really I can't get out of my mind. Besides teenage girls, another new group was referred to us. Young people from the inpatient psychiatric unit from their own hospital. How, I mean, how is that not sinister? Do you realize how many people must be aware that's happening and don't say anything about it? This is where I point out that during COVID-19, they, using the agenda, got rid of everybody with integrity. Everybody that had morals. Everybody that cared about facts. And what you're left with is people too dumb to know they're wrong or people who don't care. Or people that might have been left, left because they saw stuff like that. This is where we are right now. This is crazy. The mental health of these kids, she says, was deeply concerning. People that had schizophrenia, PTSD, bipolar disorder, all sorts of other things. And they get, hey, come on over here. Here's pharmaceuticals. Here's surgeries. We're going to solve your problems. And they didn't. And guess what is the core factor of most of these diagnoses? Well, they believe things that aren't real. But this time it is. Oh, you're, you, you believe you're a woman? Well, we believe that one, though, because it makes us money. No matter how much suffering or pain a child had endured or how little treatment and love they had received, our doctors viewed gender transition, even with all the expense and hardship it entailed, as the solution. Some weeks it felt as though almost entire caseload they had was nothing but disturbed people. My God, how can we not see what's going on here, guys? I know we can. Well, just a few random examples. Here's a trans activist who brutally assaulted a woman after apparently being misgendered and now have been sentenced to five months for, of good behavior because, well, no criminal record. Left the victim permanently disabled, but, you know, likely light on... Either way, the point is, this is part of what's going on, too. A transgender double rapist has filed hate charges against people in prison because they were transphobic. That's not a joke. You could look it up. Trans rapist Isla Bryson, victim of hate crimes in jail, complains of being treated like a monster. This is a violent rapist that is complaining about being treated like a monster. <laughs> Everyone's taken advantage of this if you pay attention. That, that, I mean, that, I don't mean literally everybody who thinks this, but a lot of people are taking advantage, and yet the movement's not, they just, this is not real. You're a fake news conspiracy theorist. Well, it is real. You either don't care that children are being abused or you don't, aren't smart enough to recognize that it's happening. Well, lastly, just to include this, since it was discussed, and I forgot this because it was in one of those tweets that was lost in my Twitter manipulations. 
Now health professionals are urged to call vaginas bonus holes to avoid offending trans or non-binary patients. This is a very real thing. It came out in this massive document about the terms they're supposed to use for the trans world. One of them, not a joke. Now, now apparently this minority of group of group is now dictating the words of everybody else, which has been happening for a long time now. Bonus holes. Like, are we not? So think about how ridiculous it is that if you accidentally use the wrong term, they're going to have a meltdown. But we're not allowed to call things what we always have. And that's okay, though. Right. What if what if it's offensive to me? What if I find that offensive? Doesn't it matter? Don't you care about what I think is offensive? Apparently not. Apparently, it's not a two-way street. Apparently, only what they think matters. And that's acceptance. How does anybody make sense of this? And again, I'm not, when I say they, I'm not talking about all of trans people because that's not true. I'm talking about the ridiculous political movement and how it's framed. Lastly, I thought this was important. This is from uh, uh, years ago, I think, The Federalist. I think it was 2018. Who are the rich white men institutionalizing transgender ideology? thought this was interesting. A lot of good stuff in this article. They get in deep to this family called the Pritzker, the Pritzkers. It's really interesting. I just wanted to read you this one part. It says, I found exceedingly rich white men with enormous cultural influence are funding the transgender lobby and various transgender organizations. These include, but are not limited to, Jennifer Pritzker, a male who identifies as transgender, George Soros of all people, uh, Martin Rath- Rothblatt, Tim Gill, Drummond Pike, Warren Buffett, Mark Bowman, as I understand it, there's even an overlap with the, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation as well. Most of these billionaires fund the transgender lobby and organizations through their own organizations, including corporations. It says these funders often go through anonymous funding, though, such as the Tides Foundation, so the people don't really associate it with them. Large corporations, philanthropists, and organizations can send enormous sums of money to the Tide Foundation, specifically the direction the funds are to go, and have the funds get to their destination anonymously. Tide Foundations create a legal firewall and tax shelter for foundations. I don't know why that's allowed, who knows? And fund political campaigns, of course. That's why often using illegally dubious tactics. Shocking. These men and others, including pharmaceutical companies, and this is what I find very fascinating, and the U.S. government, are sending millions of dollars to LGBT causes. You think that's for your rights and what they believe in? Like, they don't care about that literally anywhere. There's not, that's not what this is about. Overall reported global spending on this issue is now estimated at $424 million. This is 2018. From 2003 to 2013, reported funding for transgender issues increased more than eightfold. That's at a time when this was minuscule. You see the point? This was an agenda. Growing at threefold the increase of the LGBTQ funding overall. So they shifted from funding the entire thing gay, lesbian, all this, and just went hyper-focused on trans. You starting to see the point? Which quadrupled from 2003 to 2012. This huge spike, the overall point, this huge spike in funding happened at the same time transgenderism began gaining traction in American culture. What do you know? $424 million is a lot of money. Is it enough to change laws, uproot language, and force new speech on the public, to censor, to create an atmosphere of threat? For those who do not comply with gender ideology, I think so. It says, it seems obvious now to look at the money behind transgenderism. Many new markets have opened because of it. The first gender clinic for children opened in 2007. Think about this, guys. If right now we're pointing out that there is no long-term studies on this stuff, how is that allowed to happen? In 2007, it's 2023. 
They're giving, they, they've been doing it the whole time. No long-term studies. Clearly, they don't care about safe and effective. In the past 10 years, more than 30 clinics for children with purported gender dysphoria have arisen in the United States alone. The largest serving 725 patients. Patients Over the past decade, there have been an explosion in the medical infrastructure across the United States for transgender treatment and, and the world to treat transgender people. In addition to gender clinics proliferating across the United States, hospital wings are being built for specialized surgeries. And many medical institutions are clamoring to get on board with new medical... Th- Okay, did you forget that there's no long-term studies? They didn't. We don't know if this is safe. We don't know the long-term effects, but they're building the infrastructure. How many times do I show you this in regard to foreign policy or anything else? They come out and they give you this false divide. Well, we're we're not sure whether this, and while they're doing that, it's already being built. This is what they do. This whole time it was happening, we were going, should we, should we, should we not, should we? Too late, it's already happening. Still no long-term studies. They don't care about that. Doctors are being trained in cadaver symposiums across the world in all manner of surgeries related to transgender individuals. Everything we've talked about, phalloplasty, top, bottom surgery, all of it. No long-term studies. More and more American corporations are covering transgender surgeries, drugs, and other expenses. How Insurance companies. They wouldn't need, we're, we're quibbling about ivermectin during COVID and they're, you have insurance companies that are funding this and we don't even know what's going on. We don't, you know, studies, we don't know if it's safe. We don't know the long term. I mean, everything you can talk about, everything we have talked about, the, the infertility we even do know about that we can prove that they've admitted themselves. And yet they're happy to fund it. Probably why. Endocrinologists seeking a fountain of youth and hormones for more than a generation. And the subsequent earnings of marketing those hormones are still on a quest for gold. On top of that, it is a boon. The industry is exploding. Puberty blockers are another growing market. The plastic surgery arm of medicine is staged for an infusion of cash as well as organ transplants, especially womb transplants for men identifying as women who may want future pregnancies. Like we haven't even fleshed out the basics and we're moving into this. These surgeries are already being practiced on animals in first successful womb trip. This is 2018, guys. Guess what? When this gets focused like this, in year, what, what have we done five years ago now? And then it gets real quiet? That's happening right now, somewhere. And that's why it's quiet. I haven't heard anything about this since then. Not, not really. Not like this in this massive discussion about the where it's going. And then it just gets real quiet. We're, we're being funneled. Biogenics, biogenetics is opposed to be the investment of the future, he says, who has headed a massive pharmaceutical corporation and is now heavily invested in biogenetics and transplants. Of course they are. You know who else is involved? Groups like Pfizer, Johnson & Johnson, along with support from pharmaceutical giants like Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer, Viva, Abbott Laboratories, all the big ones. Oh, guess who else? Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Intel, Dell, IBM, because they care about your health, right? This is terrifying. Apple, Microsoft, Google, IBM, yeah, PayPal, they're all on board. They all, and 53 other major tech corporations, signed an amicus brief pushing the U.S. Supreme Court to prohibit schools from keeping private facilities for students designed according to sex. Ask yourself why Google and Microsoft and Pfizer care about same-sex bathrooms. Really think about that for a second. This is where we are. It is time to wake up, guys. But again, I know all you see this. 
it's time to wake everybody else up. Thank you for being here today and tuning in. I was hoping that would be an hour and a half, but I think we're doing better. I know a lot of you still want the super long shows. It's going to happen from time to time anyway, but I am trying, as you can see, to get these down to smaller and smaller times for the reach in general, because I think it's important we reach as many people as possible. So thank you for being here today. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.